A man from Devizes in Wiltshire has been arrested in connection with making crop circles during the summer. The patterns appear in fields in the west of England each year and their origins are fiercely debated. The 29-year-old man faces charges of causing criminal damage at West Overton in July. Materials and equipment found at his home are said to be those used to make crop circles. Even though I make crop circles, I'm a big believer in the paranormal. Still am to this day, and I and I've had so many weird experiences in crop circles. It it just it eclipses everything else. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grimerica Show. Uh, we're gonna be chatting with Mr. Matthew Williams a little bit later. Or I don't think is is he supposed to be anonymous? No, it don't matter, right? No, no it's all. Good. He's been arrested. Yeah, that's right. About, uh, he's uh, a circle maker, uh, and we're going to have RPJ join us for the, for the intro, uh, but first, as always, my faithful cohort, Ramblin' Graham. How's it going this Ramblin week, Graham. Hey, I'm doing good. We're talking a, a crop circle faker, not a maker. He's a circle oh, maker, here we I'm, go I'm again. Still the, I still think it's more of a fake than a make, but, you know, uh, we, can ta- we can talk about <laughs> We can talk about that a little later when we get into it, but yeah, no, I'm doing good. I've, I've, I've still got a, a tiny little bit of a cold here, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to, to getting this thing done. Circle maker offends you? No, not at all. No, no, no. It was a great chat. I was totally, it was really cool. I actually, actually changed my, my attitude a bit about crop circles. Change my attitude. Well, not enough to change your attitude about calling them uh, artists instead of fakers. Well, I guess he could still be an artist, but I, I just <laughs> I still think there's a there's a some of it is a legitimate non-human phenomenon. Still, I don't think it's all by humans. So. Mm. I think it's all by humans. I mean, look, there's hey, there's a genuine phenomenon going on. He he even talked about the phenomenon going on. So where do, where does that phenomenon start and where does that phenomenon finish? Who knows? But he wouldn't even admit that they were all done by humans. Yeah, but you can never say hundred percent. Okay, okay, anything. don't don't I spill the beans, say. guys. Right. Let the let the listeners uh, make their own conclusions. Okay, man. <laughs> Fair enough. So how's our uh... Our uh, Mexican, Mexican correspondent. <laughs> well, pretty good, all things considered, you know, seeing all the things that that's that been going on. Uh, I think it's fair to say that November um, 2014 has been a, a month full of anger, you know, all around the world. And I'm, I'm not just talking about the things that... Um, that are being going on right now as we speak in Ferguson, Missouri, about the fact that uh, Darren uh, Darren Williams, I think his name is, was not indicted of the, over the the death of Michael Brown, Darren Wilson, yes, but also the things that that had uh, have occurred in my own country here in Mexico, uh, also in, in this month in November, over the disappearance and uh, more than likely, the the murder the murder of 43 students in the state of Guerrero, 
so and there's also been protests in Europe and well <laughs> I don't know maybe we should start to try to uh, count the countries where there's not been uh, violent and angry protests uh, around the world right yeah man I mean people say it's uh, isn't there some sort of uh celestial uh, event with something in retrograde and some eclipses or something darren are you into all that astrology stuff i don't know nothing about that <laughs> is that a I don't know. you read or are you just making some shit up or? <laughs> no i've been hearing a little bit about it but i i don't, I don't really know what the hell's, a little bit i don't really know what's going on but I myself find it particularly uh, synchronistic the fact that uh, all this is happening right when the 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 movie uh, the hunger games monkey mocking jay part one you know has just been released you know and uh, as you well know you know that the, the whole premise of the movie is about uh, you know some kind of revolution happening you know in, in that the, the that uh, the fictitious state of panam you know led by Katniss Evergreen, and um, this is very interesting to see how, you know, there's this very interesting cross-pollination between fiction and reality. Um, uh, Lauren Coleman posted a, a, a photo of some, I, I don't even know what it, what it was, but some protester uh, 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 painted some graffiti over some monument uh, and it was a, a direct quote from the movie Mockingjay, you know, oh, that, really? that part that, yeah, that part with Katniss says, if we burn, you burn, you burn with us. So, I don't know, to me, uh, it's very interesting to see how, you know, uh, there is this very going back and forth between uh, fantasy, re the reality, and how, you know, uh, works of fiction affect our view of real events and maybe even inspire them in some in, in some magnitude do you think a lot of this negativity is is kind of like blowback or is it is it sort of uh more like the like you talked about the murders in mexico right and that's kind of hard to say that it's anything but just sort of some sort of evil you know evil crime right do you think that a lot of the rest of it is is system falling apart and kind of a blowback from the people i think there's something to that i also think that maybe i'm wrong in saying it but there is some positivity to me i see some positivity in the fact that we as a society are growing more and more intolerant about acts of injustice happening all around the world and even injustice injustices and inequities that affect people we may never even you know come across you know that people that live all uh, across the other side of the globe right so uh, there's uh, I, I have seen that there have been protests regarding what's happened here in mexico in many other countries you know in europe in australia you know just when you know our the president of mexico was visiting uh, Australia over some kind of uh, global summit or whatever in the United States, you know, and I'm sure that something like that will also happen in regards to 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 some kind of uh, um, response to what's just happened in uh, in Ferguson. 
So, so, and you don't, you're not even talking about the fear porn from the mainstream media. You're talking about just uh, hearing about this stuff, you know, online from around the globe, right? Yeah, I think that people are are growing tired. You know, people are, and well, I was just thinking, you know, that there's there's some very strong parallels between what happened in Ferguson. Uh, well, uh, not only in Ferguson, but also you know, the things like, for example, what happened with Trayvon Martin you know, and this 12-year-old kid that was just recently also killed by a police officer because he was holding a toy gun, you know. And uh, I myself see, see some kind of parallels between those events and what happened in my own country because I've, to me, I see this as a result of uh, a strong economic inequality that have, has been based around uh, uh, et- ethnic differences, you know, uh, the ethnic, ethnic difference from, dif- from, a, from a, a different kind, maybe, in the United States with the African-American community and here in Mexico with people of uh, Indian descent, you know, maybe people think that Mexico they will be surprised to know that Mexico is actually a pretty, pretty racist country, you know. But uh, going beyond that, the fact that there is this uh, economic inequality that is uh, driving, that is also is fueling a system where an, uh, 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 there is also um, how can I put this an unsustainable uh, system yes and the the way that is this system is trying to maintain itself you know even even when it's collapsing as we speak is through cor- corruption and I see that in my country you know corruption per- permeates every single aspect of public life and I myself, you know, my my own personal opinion, think that is corruption the thing why uh, this police officer was not indicted, you know. I'm not talking about whether he was guilty or not guilty over what happened uh, with Michael Brown, but the fact that he didn't even, you know, uh, go to he didn't even go to court, you know, to answer for this action. And people say, yeah, you know, this, the, there's not going to be any charges. To me, that that is a, a sign of a, a broken system, as you as you yourself told. Yeah. Hmm. And the corruption goes to the to the highest levels, right? Of the banking and the corporations. Oh yeah, and the for sure. So it's like it sure. goes back to that thing that that they say that the, what is it? The large crimes go unpunished, and the small crimes go punished, or some. Some way to say that <laughs> that sounds proper. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> here, here in Mexico, you know, uh, aside from from the the disappearance of these 40, 43 students, that it's more than likely that they were killed and their bodies were burned by the organized crime, you know, and and the, and and the reason why they were uh, ended up at the hands of organized crime was because uh, police officers handed them to them, you know, and these police officers were working for this, uh, a mayor of this uh, 
town in the state of Guerrero who had ties with the, the drug cartels, you know, and everybody knew that. And aside of all that, you know, there's also the latest outcry here in my country is uh, the seven million dollar house that is the property of uh, the president of Mexico and his lovely wife, Angelica Rivera, who went on to the media, you know, to, to, to assure us that she alone was the one who, who paid for the house, you know, with all the, the earnings she made while, while she was working uh, on the Mexican telenovela. You know? So isn't that interesting that a telenovela actress in Mexico can have a more expensive house than, say, a Hollywood actress, you know? Maybe, you know, Angelina Jolie should should come and work in Mexico, you know, instead of, you know, staying in Hollywood. I don't know. Why, why, do, why do you think that that's uh, the case? I'm not sure I'm following you there. Like, mm. Yeah, I'm sorry. Well, this is, this is kind of complicated. And forgetting for a minute, you know, how, many, how much money could a soap opera actress could earn in Mexico. The fact of the matter is that the company th uh, that built the house for her, you know, or for her and her husband, is also a company that has earned a lot of contracts, a lot of government contracts, back when uh, the now president of Mexico was governor of the state of Mexico. Oh, okay. You know? And they also just had recently won, you know, the contract for a, 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 a bullet train uh, that was going to be built uh, in conjunction with a Chinese company. You know, it was a multi-million dollar uh, uh, operation. You know, it was, it was going to be one of the largest and biggest uh, projects in the in the in this uh, in the president's uh, presidency of Peña Nieto, but just before uh, all this scandal, you know, broke, you know, all of a sudden, yeah, they canceled the contract. You know, he had to go to China, you know, uh, uh, partly to to try to uh, uh, to calm the Chinese, you know, to try to to to, to assure them that there will still be plenty of business to to. To, to do here in Mexico and partly also to, to try to run away from, from the attention of the press, you know, and all the questions that was surrounding about this obvious conflict of interest, you know. Imagine something like that happening in, in, in United States, for example, you know, learning that uh, Mr. Barack Obama, you know, owned a house that was, had been built by one of the biggest government contractors, you know. You know, the Republicans will, will have asked for his head on a plate. Yeah. Huh. But instead, anyway. Uh, instead, instead, they just, they just own part of, uh, not, not Barack, but other people in the States, just own part of companies like Halliburton that go around and do that across the world. Yeah, but at least they are more uh, discreet about it. You know what I mean? That's, that's the thing that here in Mexico, we're just beginning to grow tired of just how shameless there are about, you know, the fact that, yes, uh, 
politicians go into politics because they want to become millionaire, not because they want to serve the people, you know. And we know that even the lowliest congressman, after just four years of doing nothing, you know, raising their hand or whatever, they will, they will be set for life, you know. But at least back in the day, they were used to be a little more discreet about it. And now they're just yeah, so in their face, you know, all the money and all the big expensive watches that they wear, you know, and all the suits and the houses that they own in Miami and elsewhere and the, uh, and the fancy cars that are paid with our taxes, you know, all along while the Mexican economy is just plummeting down, you know, uh, and they used to, they, they keep blaming that uh, on the of the American economy, but now the American economy, the economy has recovered and the Mexican economy is still dragging down. So now what's the excuse? So, and, and on top of that, you know, last year they raised our taxes and as a taxpayer, you know, it's, it's, really, <laughs> it's really annoying to think that, that the thing that I'm paying my taxes for is only to, 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 to buy more flowers for the $7 million house of my president. <laughs> you know, so things are, things, are, things are starting to get very interesting down here in the Chinese sense of the world, you know. But anyway... Tuckers and blow. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, let's, let's not just uh, talk about politics. I, I wanted to to bring something different okay, well, well, to you one guys. More thing, one more thing. Okay, uh, okay. As Dan Carlin says, right? If you, if you want yeah. to be a politician, you shouldn't be allowed to be a politician, right? Like, mm -hmm. It's almost like it's too bad it wasn't like back in, in the day where the people that were politicians were people like, uh, almost like the, the village shaman, right? You're kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The village is kind of telling you, you're, you're the shaman. Like, you're the guy that we need to, to, to run the place, not, you know. Yeah. Yeah, kind of like yeah, the, what what Chris Ryan said, right? Well, that yeah. Back in the, with, with the hunter gatherers, you know, the, the 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 guy with the best ideas, you know, the guy who has the more uh, qualities of a leader is the one who is appointed a leader, if, uh, but not because he wants to, you know, yeah. just because yeah. people, you know, say, hey, this is the guy who knows, you know, how to to get the the best, you know, the game on the forest or to hunt to 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 fish the. Uh, to find the best place to fish or whatever, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, man. So what were you going to say there before I interrupted you? Yes, sorry. Uh, let's let's uh, talk about something more interesting. Uh, did, uh, did you learn what happened to our friend uh, Nick Redfern recently? No. Well, it, it seems that our friend Nick Redfern had his computer hacked. Wow. And you know why? Uh, because uh, he found a chupacabra? No, because of Roswell. <gasps> oh, he was, what was, what? He was doing something on Roswell, right, wasn't he? Well, I don't know what he himself was doing about Roswell, but let's have some, something of a background first. So I don't know if you learn about this uh, conference. Oh, shit. So my browser just stopped. Great. So anyway, uh, recently, I think last week, 
there was some kind of conference at the American University in Washington. Okay. Yeah, so people like Colonel Charles Holt and Leslie Kane and Richard Haynes were invited. Okay. And also a guy by the name of Thomas Curry, who happens to be a member of the so-called Roswell Star Team. You know, these people who got together and decided that they oh, were Tom, going Tom to try. Tom Curry, right? No? Tom? Yes, Tom Curry. Yes. Yeah, okay, okay. So Tom Curry is, is a member of the Star Team, you know. Oh, yeah, Kevin Randall is a member of the Star yeah, Team yeah, too. Yeah. Don Schmidt. Yeah. Anthony Bragalia, you know. So these people uh, got together, you know, some some years ago and decided that they weren't they were going to try to gather the best available evidence possible in order to solve once and for all, you know, the Roswell case. And some time ago. There was a rumor that they came uh, up, uh, they met someone who claimed to have some Kodak, Kodachrome slides uh, taken during the autopsy of the alien bodies that, that were recovered uh, after the Roswell crash. So there was this uh, gossip, and that caused also some kind of internal quarrel uh, uh, between Kevin Randall and this guy Paul Kimball, which we shouldn't get into. But anyway, uh, last week Tom Curry, uh, during this conference at the American University, dr dropped the bomb that they have already came in possession of the Kodachrome color slides. Mm -hmm. uh, here I'm reading the quote. We have come into possession of a couple of Kodachrome color slides of an alien being lying in a glass case. Author and researcher Thomas Curry told the New York Capacity crowd in Abraham Recital Hall. And so what oh. is, what's interesting is, uh, Tom Curry said, is the film is dated 1947. We took it to the official historian of Kodak up in Rochester, New York, and he did his due diligence on it. And he said, yes, this film strip, the slides are from 1947. It's 1947 stock. And from the emulsions on the image, it's not something that's been photoshopped like today. It's original 1947 images, and it shows an alien who's been partially dissected lying in a case. So, but we can't you, show you. Yeah, that's a problem that he never showed none of those images uh, to the people in the conference. You can't handle the truth. You motherfuckers can't. No, he's. Why did? Why would he? Yeah, I know there's a big controversy over why you would even say that if you can't show people. And then some people say, well, you know, yeah. what would you do if you had that evidence but you couldn't show it now? Like, would you say something? Yeah, put like put up or, or shut up, right? Yeah. So anyway, let's go now to go to to this uh, post at the UFO trail log saying that some guy, a commenter on that blog by the name of Ross, stated that uh, he and other people involved with this uh, 
slides or people or people who were somehow involved with with, with this investigation were hacked. You know, and here I'm, I'm I'm quoting. You know, the hacking thing involved Tony Bragalia, Rich Reynolds, Nick Redfern, and myself. Rose wrote, and and the reason I, I learned of this is because I I visited Nick's Nick's uh, blog, and he also well he admitted that he had been hacked, but he hasn't given a lot of information. She says that all will be known. Uh, in due time, you know, later, later in the future, and also it's interesting. It, it's interesting that in this the UFO trail, uh, there's not direct mention on, of on whether uh, Tom Carey was also hacked. I think that the the Jack Brewer, you know, the owner of this blog, tried to contact him, but uh, Carey, you know, didn't respond to his. Uh, inquiries over email so what is the what is the insinuation here that the secret keepers are are realizing that somebody's onto something and they're hacking the computers that's that's one side of it i guess that will seem to be what this guy ross implied you know that somehow someone contacted him and showed him that he had the capability to hack his computer you know and here I'm quoting here uh, again what uh, Jack Brewer wrote, this, this quote by Ross. My instinct was that whoever and figured I might, I might as well try communi communicating to see what they have to say. You know, the hacker used various safe mail accounts to interact with us. So apparently this guy, the people who hacked his computer tried to see if Ross could be like the intermediary or middleman between the people who have who were in possession of of these so-called Roswell slides, you know, and them, you know, to trying to see if they, they could share in share the uh, share them with the hacker, you know, buy them or uh, sell them or whatever, you know. So does that mean that? these slides are the real deal well maybe or maybe it's just a way to try to 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 make the people who have the slides think that they are really in possession of of uh evidence that is stronger than they really think or yeah, it that could be, it could be a hoax too to bring more, more exactly. attention to it i mean it could go so many different ways eh? who knows yeah exactly it's hard to believe that we're still back talking about Roswell. I know, it. fuck it. I know, I know. We were, we were going to have a f boycott on the show and never talk about it. I know, I know. Oh, oh speaking of which. You're just cutting off the Roswell story, eh? I stepped on it. Darren's in, in control here, obviously, in the studio, and he stepped on the Roswell for the Graham's profound UFO quote. Luckily, I just have it ready to go. So here I'd be we go. pretty impressed if it was a Roswell quote. Fuck it. <laughs> I can go back and find one. Oh, it's too late now. More than 10,000 sightings have been reported, the majority of which cannot be accounted for by any scientific explanation. Example, they, that they are hallucinations, the effects of light refraction, meteors, wheels falling from airplanes, and the like. 
They have been tracked on radar screens, and the observed speeds have been as great as 9,000 miles per hour. I am convinced that these objects do exist and that they are not manufactured by any nation on Earth. I can therefore see no alternative to accepting the theory that they come from an extraterrestrial source. That's Air Chief Marshal Lord Dowding, commanding officer of the Royal Air Force during World War II. The Royal Air Force? The RAF. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a brat. Yeah. Anyways, they all, yeah, a lot of these quotes seem to go to the extraterrestrial hypothesis, but uh, anyways, I, I don't really want to get into that too much. Well, let's keep in mind that back most down. of the quotes that you have in your possession were made by, uh, several decades ago, you know, back when, you know, maybe the extraterrestrial hypothesis was like kind of like the simplest solution but nowadays you know with all with all we know about the and uh, other d- dimensions you know parallel universe and which all is, that which is all f- theory anyways like yeah i i, I kind of been thinking lately that i understand why et is the is the the explanation most people talk about because it is like Occam's razor. To me, it still is the simplest explanation because there's look at where we're going in space now. We're landing on asteroids or whatever, and we're and we're catching all these Earth-like planets out there, like billions and billions. So, like, of course, that's the most common, you know, common response. Yeah, but sometimes the uh, nature tends to be pretty counterintuitive, you know, when it comes to to, to what. The running against our simple expectations, right? You know, just take a look at uh, string theory or quantum mechanics. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, speaking of which, have you guys uh, watched in- Interstellar yet? Yeah. Fuck, I loved it. I have not. Okay. I shed, fuck a, I shed a tear a couple times. Fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? But I can't say I- that. I oh, need that's to. Fine. You said it, but don't talk and... about it. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, oh. Then we have. I'm to... not worried about crying at Interstellar. Well, I need to. I, I need you to watch it, man, because we need to discuss it, and we need you to, to to go into a lot of spoilers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's. Okay. So I Dan... do like spoiling people's shit without telling them, but you guys are not doing it to me. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to stay on the topic of UFOs for a little bit. I UFOs. Was on... Yeah. Sure. Well, that's UFOs. the other thing I was going to say. When you're quoting British people, you got to call them UFOs. Yeah. Good point. Oh, yeah. I'm glad you're catching on there, Darren. I'm catching on? To the lingo and all that. No? Yeah, the, of ufology. I'm just good at talking English, I. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> so I was on my way here with uh, some topics, some stuff I wanted to talk about in the intro. And I was so listening. Is this a synchro? No. No, it's Come not. on, I'm looking for an excuse here. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yes, shit, eh? burning. Oh, well, it could be, I guess. Yeah, it could, yeah let's, let's call it a synchro. <laughs> Just for you, buddy. Oh, the rating authority. Nice jingle, buddy. <laughs> Like that one? Oh yeah. my god, yeah. That's that's pretty good. That actually sounds quite professional. Yeah, it's five dollars and fifty cents on Fiverr. <laughs> well, five dollars 
Well spent. Okay, you know what? Like it could, you know, you don't have to rate this one. Third party. Canadian synchronous rating authority. I'll rate this one for free. I like how you change it from <laughs> agency or whatever to authority. Hmm. Yeah. So exactly. That's how the Third Reich started, probably. <laughs> oh my god. Oh boy. Yeah, we got to get into that one again. So I'm on my way here, planning on. Uh, I've got a couple topics I want to talk about. A couple things. It's kind of a theme type thing on my intro i'm listening to the open minds uh podcast on the way here and they basically stole all three of them or they talked about all three of them on their podcast so if people have listened to the open minds they'll hear these these already so is that a synchronicity darren or no no i need like a buzzer yeah and those, no, those I'm not going to rate that. No, I don't think there's any point. It was pretty weird. All right. Okay. It's below the scale. Anyways, it's about uh, some crowdfunding stuff uh, going on in the U- UFO community. Um, you guys might have heard about this uh, already, uh, Red, Red Bull Junkie, but there's a uh, MUFON's got a Kickstarter for a new global UFO database. I've uh, I've kicked in a little bit myself. Um, the problem is they're they're quite a ways from their goal. They've gone up a few thousand in the last couple of days, which is good. But they've designed a new system to capture UFO reports, display the data, and find answers. Now they need the money to build it. So they've got a little Kickstarter here. I'm going to link to in in the show notes. They've they've got they're trying to get seventy eight thousand, and they've only reached uh, like seventeen right now. So I, I'm not sure why this thing hasn't really gone. Uh, viral or nobody's really talking about it until the end of this thing there's like seven days to go mm. yeah but i'm interested in that obviously because my sighting I, that i reported way back when when i go to move on to find it i can't even find it so how many sightings are just lost mm. who cares i'd rather I find i think Buffon could find off. a better way to spend that money than developing I think I don't know. somebody's got to do it. No, they don't know. Somebody's got to do yes. it. Somebody's got to do yeah, it. Why? Because it doesn't I, fucking matter. Why not? Because it's not evidence and it's never going to be evidence. It's not. It's not. A, it doesn't matter. And the sightings don't matter. It doesn't matter. It's about yeah. trends. No, it's about trends. No I will disagree on that. It's I will disagree on that. It is anecdotal. It is anecdotal evidence. It's what? It's anecdotal evidence? Yeah. Yes, but it is the beginning of something, you know? Yeah, there's, yeah, they got to do something. But you just want to just keep going like we're going and just don't worry about the, the UFO pro- thing? Wait no, no, but the problem the is... Wait till Darren hears about the next one. <laughs> the problem is that, uh, number one, I think that uh, MUFON uh, has a very clear agenda, you know? They, they, they are already have bought, bought the premise that uh, UFOs are extraterrestrial vehicles, which means they are not really uh, as open-minded as they should in order to really assess the phenomenon in all this, in its complexity. Hmm. Yeah. And number two, this, and this is my personal opinion, I feel that MUFON has already been compromised by getting involved with the likes of Robert Bigelow. Yeah. And that's why I don't trust them anymore. So, yeah, well, I yeah. rather fund Dr. Diane Powell's Kickstarter, Indiegogo's campaign, you know, in order to try to prove like something like telepathy exists. I think that's it's a far more interesting uh, scientific pursuit and it is far more accessible because she only needs to go and uh, conduct studies with uh, 
autistic subbands, which tend to be a little more reliable and less, uh, you know, fickle than, uh, you know, UFOs in the sky. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they, she was just on Coast to Coast. She's been trying to get on Coast to Coast, so she's got her campaign up and running, and she was on Coast to Coast last night, I think. And she, yeah, yeah we're, uh, we're trying to get her on the show here to talk about it. But yeah, I agree. That's a good, that's a good uh, way to, to fund something that might change the paradigm we're in. I yeah, agree. for sure. Far more, far more uh, disrupting, in my opinion, than, you know, try to fund yet another, you know, UFO database. I mean, I have no problem with UFO database. You know, Jacques Ballet, the last time he was in Coast to Coast, was also talking about trying to do some uh, interesting research with, uh, by compiling, you know, the, the, the databases that already exists. But at the same time, you know, I think that we need to maybe go beyond, you know, maybe maybe realize that the phenomenon in itself is just a distraction. Yeah, that's pretty deep. <laughs> that's pretty deep, Brad. I mean, I kind of agree with you because I think that we've got enough data and the, the phenomenon is real. We just got to accept that. But that, that doesn't seem to be working or happening. So, so there's another one here. Uh, Robert Hastings' UFOs and Nukes documentary needs our support. So, he, you know, there's another one that he's, uh, he's got quite a bit of money already, but he needs an additional 25000 to wrap up the project. So he's got tons of uh, witness testimony on UFOs and nukes. Actually, I just saw an article, uh, 150 veterans regarding their knowledge on UFO incursions. So that will be an interesting documentary for sure. You know, I think that uh, uh, underscoring, you know, how there's been so many uh, incidences of UFO activity surrounding uh, sensitive nuclear installations, you know, it's something that maybe the public at large is not aware of, you know, maybe they think, oh, yes, UFOs is something that are seen in some, you know, desolate area, you know, uh, seen by some farmer, you know, at five, five in the morning when he's milking his cows or something. They said, no, man, actually, you know, UFOs are buzzing all around nuclear silos, you know. Yeah, I think there was just a recent case, too, uh, something happening. Uh, I think Arkansas so, yes. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I think you're right. And the video looked pretty crazy, actually. It looked—I almost got the feeling it was like a quadcopter or something like that. But yeah, I, I didn't really look into it. Mm. So, there's fucking tons of those out there. I know that's the problem too. Right now, is there's so much other shit million, flying around. Million sold or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I have had this discussion before. You know, people who say, "Oh, I don't know," they're for drones. They have to think that you know if those lights in the sky are staying in the sky for more than 10 or 15 minutes then chances are it's not a commercial quadcopter you know because those really can't stay up in the air for more than 20 minutes at the best yeah what still intrigues me is is the sightings of you know they, they you hear about football uh, field size craft and you know walmart size craft that type of thing yeah that's yeah. the stuff I, that that makes you wonder what the fuck could it really be if there's a craft that huge flying around yeah yeah i was just listening uh, i'm in the middle of listening to richard dolan's interview at the baracas you know i'm kind of behind he's on uh, a whole run he's been all over the place like mm. lately when are you guys having him on grime oh, i don't know we're we're booked for a while so i gotta i've been meaning to email him and get him to come next on, year but- 
Yeah. So who are so you're gonna put that URL on the show notes, I guess. For supporting. Yeah, all of the these. I have on. more to talk about too. Yeah. Yeah. So what was what was he saying there, Red? Well, the whole thing about the breakaway civilization, secret space program, and all the like, you know, I, I, I don't have any doubts that there is a secret space program, you know, this uh, secret space plane that's been in orbit for months on end, you know, that's evidence enough that there is a secret space program because no one knows what the fuck <laughs> that mini shuttle is doing, you know, in orbit for so long. Yeah, right. But when I get in problem uh, with this idea is just when you are considering that this space program is so advanced that they are responsible for the kind of uh, ufological display that that is really exotic, you know, what you said, you know, these football size uh, uh, aerial platforms you know staying you know hovering in the sky yeah yeah you know, uh, if that's when i say if really if, you, if if there was some kind of government of even non-government agency having that kind of power you know dude you know they they could enslave us all you know in in a heartbeat yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna keep us moving along here because um, okay. I have this other one I want to talk about quickly and sure, this, sure. In, this intro is gonna uh, gonna be as long as the interview before we know it. Um, <laughs> so this one is uh, from Educating Humanity and it's the UFO Alien Disclosure Group launches major social media effort and we all know that that is Stephen Bassett, founder yeah, of. We know that disclosure group. is bullshit. What's that? We know that disclosure is bullshit. <laughs> Whatever. That's that's your opinion, Red. No, I I think all, all these efforts I think are are good and they're and they're helping in one way or the other. So he's he's launching a major three month uh, campaign, and I'm going to link to that in the show notes too. Mm. Yeah, and uh, he's trying to get uh, he's uh, what is he doing here? He's trying to get a new direct engagement with lawmakers and has organized an aggressive social media campaign among like minded <sighs> voters. And he wants answers about UFO sightings, alien technology, and other matters. He offers a dozen sample tweets for interesting folk, like disclosure, hashtag, etc. Let's start doing that, Darren. Hashtag disclosure? Yeah. Hashtag Tell you something. Disclosure. The moment that the UFO community can make this, the, the, this, the kind of protest that, that we are now seeing over Ferguson, you know, yeah. the moment that we can do the, that kind of civic unrest, that's the moment that politicians will give a shit about UFOs. But to be clear, the America does not endorse violent protests in the name of UFOs. No, no, no. Uh, uh, yeah, UFOs. Yeah. UFOs. No, we do not endorse violence over anything, you know. But the thing is that that kind of. Uh, Visible activism, you know, something in the streets instead of, you know, just tweeting things or Yeah, but I don't know if that, I don't think that's going to happen, right? That's just not. Yeah, well, not maybe, gonna... maybe it could. Yeah, maybe. You know. Okay, I do have one other thing to finish off here. Um, and it is uh, a group attempting to crowdfund space warp technology. You guys might have heard this guy talking on open minds and all that, but. 
apparently there's some they have something pretty close space warp dynamics llc has got something pretty close to working and they're trying to do trying to get some funding here Mm. to make it just a small little a small little ship that can basically run a ship yeah a small little i think it's like a little model type thing or something that can run on that i think because that reminds me of that spruce goose the spruce moose Well, the guy who was convincing all these poor imbeciles that the, he was building a UFO in his barn, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah, even the Simpsons smacked him. Yeah, well. <laughs> He's got, they've got a picture of a pretty cool looking scale model of the craft. The team hopes to lift off the ground using their warp technology. Oh. Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, link to that too. That, I mean, it's pretty interesting. People are, you know, so How, how much does he, does he want? How much is he hoping to 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 gather? Fifty million. <laughs> no, yeah, no, it's not much actually. Uh, let's see here. He's got. Uh, he's only raised twenty seven hundred fifty so far, and he wants to reach about the same as that other one, eighty thousand. So yeah, these these these, ca- these aren't making very good headway, and that's why I kind of wanted to talk about them, just in case anybody feels like throwing some money into some good causes. Speaking of throwing money into good causes, uh, support your local podcast, grabamerica.ca slash moneybob. Uh, I don't think we need to go into the details much this week. We did get a new subscriber this week again. No, but you could say everything's free, right? Everything's free, and uh, it's value for value here in America. so we're not charging anything, no ads, nothing like that, so please help out the show before you go to these crowdfunding sources that we're talking about. Get your America subscription, value for value. Oh, t-shirt. Get email addresses. Uh, yeah, you get a t-shirt. You can get a t-shirt right now. Large. Is that all we have is large? Uh, I think there's, uh, what else did I say there was? A small and a medium too, I think? One small, one medium, and a few larges. Yeah, 25 bucks. So, yeah, let's see. If, uh, you know, if, the, if we could fire through these, and it might, you know, um, if this is something that seems like it's going to work, then who knows? Maybe we could grab another bundle and get some stuff. Because I've got a bunch of tweets about people saying to let them hope we get some real man sizes. What? Yeah. <laughs> Larges are pretty big, man. No. Really? People no, need the XLs and the double you're just, XLs? You just love Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm a large and I'm not big. I'm just right. extra size. large. Yeah. <laughs> you must be double extra large. Red is, yeah. How did yours fit, Red? You're a double XL, right? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, okay. That's good. So, yeah, once again, that's $25 or more. Uh, just type your uh, address in the comment section there, and we'll sh- ship you out a shirt. Actually, Gitmo sent us a picture of his kid with his shirt on. Oh, yeah? Cool. So that oh, was pretty great. cool. Uh, speaking of Twitter, I did want to give one shout-out to John Binding over in the UK or in Scotland, I suppose. At the same place. That's probably offensive. <laughs> you don't even know that, yeah. But oh, no, we all, should also it's... send a shout out to uh, UFO Hoff because he just released uh, a video of uh, about the Paradigm Symposium, and oh. there was a brief cameo cameo of the three of us. The three of who? Uh, you, Darren, and I. Oh, really? Yeah, man. Oh, sweet. Yeah, that's, I'll send you the link. With, yeah, please uh, do. UFO Hoff, did you say? UFO Hoff. 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 H-U-B. Hub. Oh. Hub. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, Hub. Okay. Hub. 
I thought you meant like the Hoff, like David Hasselhoff. That's what I <laughs> so, people, listeners, we need you to donate so I can get some uh, uh, English classes, you know, yeah. to improve my accent. Oh, you're, no, you're pretty good, man. The listeners love you. They keep saying, bring it red on more. So, we got to do this more often for sure. Anyways, okay. yeah, Sean Binding over in Scotland says, we're his favorite show. And sometimes we make him laugh so hard, it's hard to drive. Oh, thanks, buddy. Yeah, yeah thanks, that's awesome. Buddy. That's two to... favorite shows we got recently. Try not to crash. Yeah, yeah. I think when Darren and I were discussing what to do with our intros, we got a tweet. Or did you get a tweet or an email about how somebody it was somebody's favorite show and he loved the intros? So, yeah, yeah. Thanks. If you don't like him, just skip ahead to the interview, please. <laughs> this interview starts at twenty eight ninety seven. No, it'll be more like it starts at an hour and twenty forty seven now. <laughs> You have any spam? No, I don't. I'm done. You're done. Yeah. That's all you got. Yeah. We can just hammer off. Uh, do you got anything else you want to jump into, Red? Uh, no. Well, I'm good. Uh, well, just you know, check out the two uh, reviews of the Paradigm Seed Potion that have I have released on Mysterious Universe so far. Oh, the second one's out too. Oh yes. Okay. Cool. Yeah. It yeah. Just came out yesterday yeah. or the day before. Yeah, I liked the first one. It was good. Thanks, Red. Yeah, well, hopefully people will enjoy it as much as I have enjoyed it. Uh, you know, writing them and, and relieving all the things that's all the things that transpired back in Minneapolis. Yeah, hey, I want to say too, I got Emmy Bittner's trying human uh, comic uh, or what are they called? Graphic novels in the mail too. That was pretty cool. Oh, looks you great. have yours? Yeah. Oh, I haven't uh, received mine. Hope. Yours is probably stolen by the corrupt Mexican mailman. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I'm sure of that. <laughs> so yeah, the other thing I want to say is thanks to uh, to our our guest uh, coming up here, Matthew Williams, for enlightening us about the other side of crop circle making. Mm. Uh, he did he did change my view a little bit. It's pretty cool. It was a really good chat. So changed mine. Well, he didn't change mine. He reinforced it. Oh, that's not what you said at the end of the interview. I think, I think it is. You think so? I think it is. Yeah. I stand by it. Yeah. But yeah, big thanks to RPJ for joining us for uh, for this for a little bit here. Uh, enjoy the chat with Mr. Matthew Williams, and we will pick you up on the outro. Thanks, man. This afternoon, we're going to be chatting with someone across the pond, as they say. Um, but first, the great Graham Dunlop. How's it going, buddy? 
in the new studio. Hey, thanks, man. Yeah, thanks for all your hard work in here. It looks good. It sounds even better. There should be less echoes, so the sound might be a little different this time. But yeah, we've got uh, Matthew Williams, Williams with us here. Uh, Red Pill Junkie suggested that we, we have this guy on, and we did a Crop Circle episode, and I've purposefully uh, not really done too much research on, on Matthew. I, was, I listened to a little bit of the Paracast with him, but I, I stopped it before. I kind of wanted to stay fresh and, and not be uh, pre, have this preconceived uh, you know, per- perception and questions and stuff like that. So it's going to be a really interesting chat. Uh, Matthew Williams, was, uh, he was in, he's been into UFOs for quite a while. He's a ufologist kind of back in, um, in England or Wales, I think, back in the 90s. And then he got into crop circles and actually making crop circles. So we're going to chat with uh, Matthew about all this. So welcome to Great America, Matthew. Uh, thanks very much for having us. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's good to have this perspective here. So, I guess like like we mentioned there when we first started chatting, um, how about the the little bit of history on how you became interested in crop circles and, and UFOs, I guess for that matter. Well, I was uh, sort of a young a young lad. I had books on the paranormal, and uh, as as you sort of uh, grow up, you know, people sort of hand you uh, books on the unexplained and myths and funny things like that, and uh, I kind of. Didn't really know whether I believed a lot of the stuff I read in those books, but um, I wasn't I wasn't a believer back back then. Um, right. But I think it was about age nineteen. I had a UFO sighting myself okay. when I was dri- driving a car across a mountain road and uh, saw something on the side of the hill, like a triangular shaped object shimmering, and it uh-huh. seemed to be sitting on the side of the hill, and. Um, that kind of made me reflect on uh, my previous readings of books and, and things and made me think, well, you know, I used to th- wonder about these people who had these experiences, wondered whether they were telling the truth or not. And uh, here I am. I've now had an experience. <laughs> I, sh- I shouldn't, you know, such a sort of sceptical stance on where people are coming from. And maybe I should relook at what they're saying they've seen. So I kind of became a bit of a UFO investigator, um, ended up in Wiltshire after sort of um, some time and uh, I went to see the crop circles and uh, people told me, you know, you want to see something really good, go and see those crop circles, you know? And uh, I I was like, what, what do you mean crop circles? I mean, I was, I I was a UFO researcher, if you can believe this. And people were saying like, yeah, crop circles. And I was like, I don't know what you mean. You're crop circles. And it's like, I'd read the books, but somehow I'd managed to kind of skip across these boring little things that I wasn't, interested in called crop circles i was you know sort of not my interest area and they said yeah you know these things come down nobody knows who makes them and i'm like oh yeah wow that sounds great you know if that's still hanging around you can go and have a look at it unlike a ufo which obviously usually flies off and you can't uh, you can't pin it down uh, ghosts which don't hang around but here, here you've got a, a subject matter crop circles and they're there for you to, yeah. to visit and study so i thought yep this has got to be a winner Went down to Wiltshire, uh, spent a little bit of time with the people and the circles, and I wasn't getting the same sort of vibe that many of the other people were um, from the crop circles. Literally, and Literally the same vibe. <laughs> yeah. You know, sort of people would be telling me, sorry, you got a, it sounds like you got a bit of a cold there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, the... Um, the, the, the People would sit in the circles and they would meditate and they would say, yeah, I'm feeling the energy, you know, and... And I wouldn't be feeling it. And I would want to feel it. I was wanting to get into this thing just the same way that everybody else was. And then I kind of discovered this alternative viewpoint on crop circles, which is that people make them. And 
I was interested to meet the people that said they were making them. I wasn't offended by this, whereas a, a lot of people who research this subject are extremely offended by the existence of people who they yeah, cl- yeah. They, they say yeah. claim to be circle makers. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, this and I was back thinking in the Doug and Dave days, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Doug and Dave, you know, had sort of not long been exposed uh, in the newspapers, and I sort of came in a little bit after that, and. Oh. Uh, and, and I kind of thought, oh, yeah, you know, Doug and Dave, yeah, it's a nice story. But as everybody tells you, you know, how how could they make all these crop circles? You know, two old blokes, there's too many of them. You know, how could these old guys do this? And it turns out they didn't, obviously, do the circles. If you think about it logically, well, there must be more people out there than just Doug and Dave making crop circles. And that's how lots of crop circles get made. So what you, what you were looking at back then was... Um, a, a number of teams who were working in Wiltshire and I tried to seek them out. I tried to find out what they were about and whether or not I believed them. And I had to kind of do this secretly. Um, initially they didn't want to speak to me about this stuff. They were very secretive and, uh, quite rightly so. I think when you realize, you know, what's a persecution a circle maker gets from crop circle believers, but, um, uh, nonetheless, I uh, I tried to speak to them. They weren't really keen to speak to me because I was known as a UFO researcher, so I was kind of treated with a bit of caution. Uh, but myself and a friend, Paul Damon, uh, we decided to make some little circles of our own just to see whether people would immediately dismiss them or whether or not they would believe in them, whatever. And we weren't experienced at that point. We were just, you know, sort of virgin, I suppose is the best word to use, uh, virgin circle makers. And we went out and made some very small, basic, uh, messy designs and sat back and watched what people would say about them. And strangely enough, people came along and said they were real. There must have been some people that said they weren't too, though. I mean, did did, did you you get a mixed, mixed, um, yeah, I, it's surprising actually because um, we we actually went out of our way with some of these early ones to to make them as messy yeah, as we yeah. possi- as possibly as we could to see just how far down the the rabbit hole or the the toilet hole you know you want to sort of take this thing. But um, yeah, it's it's really bizarre that the more messy they got, the more people got excited, like as if they were looking at uh, alien writing and and they were trying to decipher them and, and you know and it was just scrawl. And people were getting very excited. So we thought, well, okay, they, they love they love the rubbish. Why don't we try and do something a bit better? So, you know, we started making stuff that was a little bit more involved. And, you know, similarly, people were just going crazy. So it didn't matter whether it was bad or good. They liked them either way. And, you know, we kind of thought, well, this is, there's not a lot of objective research going on here. Um, and we and this was, I, like, remind people when this was, this is when, like 92, not, 93 or? Yeah, I got into it in 1990 and I wasn't, it wasn't very long before I was actually making a couple of little uh, sort of trial circles. So how did and you end we, up finding all these people that were making the circles? Like, did you just hang around those pubs in the area or like, how did you actually track yeah, them well, it's kind of funny because when you're sky watching, it's a bit like, um, I suppose, Sedona in terms of uh, a place to go. If you're, if you're thinking about a, a community that's based around the paranormal, right. then Wiltshire is kind of like Sedona in that respect. Uh, there's a lot of people come here because of the crop circles and because of Avebury, Stone Circle, Stonehenge, uh, lots of ancient monument sites. And, you know, if you're hanging around somewhere like the Barge Inn pub, uh, you're going to bump into 
people interested in crop circles, UFOs, uh, conspiracy theories, and they're all coming there to stay, to stay in the campsite. And also you'll be brushing shoulders with a lot of the time with circle makers, but you won't know that. Right. And, and even, even back then that this was a, a popular hangout. Yeah, very much so. I mean, when I got here, it was, uh, the, the barge in was definitely the focal point. And it, it hadn't always been that way. There were a few other places that were pubs before I, I came. But it, it seemed like that the pub had regenerated and, and uh, become, it's right in the heart of the, the, the area where the crop circles appear. For example, um, Eastfield in Alton Barnes um, and Honey Street and all around that area. That is literally the central focal point for where many of the best crop circles have appeared such as going back to the led zeppelin album cover you know that was in the east field and the pub is a, a short walk from that field so yeah and uh, so anyway hanging around the pub i was eventually made aware of who these circle makers were supposed to be and i approached some of them um you know Initially, they didn't want to speak to me, but coming back after making a couple of circles and explaining to them that we'd made some circles, suddenly the attitude changed. They suddenly wanted to speak to us, and it was kind of like, oh, you did those. We wondered who that was. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, let's have a chat then. Cool. So you know the deal now then. You know that people make the circles. And we're like, yeah, yeah. And it was kind of like all the doors were then open to us for conversation, whereas prior, you know, being a researcher, they, we were treated with great caution. So... Uh, that's how I got involved, and since then I've been making circles up till 2000, which uh, was when I got arrested for making circles. So um, that's something we can come back to a little bit later on, if you wish. Yeah, and, sure. <laughs> um, and then from there on, I've been kind of doing my best to educate people to the crop circles, why people make them, um, what it's all about, and the fact that there are genuine paranormal experiences um, had by people visiting man-made crop circles. So huh. do you think, um, is that, is that, so we're saying, do you think it's like a hundred percent of these circles are made by people in some form? Well, I think you're getting very close to that figure. Um, reason I, I say that is because, I mean, I know most of the people making the circles and every year there will always be a couple of circles. We don't know who has made the, right. those circles, but you know, give it a few years down the line. Um, some of those people who are making circles who are secretive and, and didn't know how to approach people, they'll eventually kind of come forward and say, yeah, we were making circles back then. That was one of ours. This was one of ours. And you kind of put the pieces together. Generally, there's not many pieces left to the jigsaw puzzle. And usually the pieces that are left, i.e. the unknowns, are usually the uh, very simple circles, such as... Um, the, the the ones that started this whole phenomena off, you know, just basic simple circles, not a not a design, not um not with these walkways or crisscrosses or dumbbells or things like that, just swirl patterns. And um, unfortunately, what you tend to find these days uh, is that crop circle researchers are only interested in the designed crop circles. The more complicated the design, the more that these researchers believe that that couldn't be made by men and the more simple the design the more that they say well that's obviously some idiots just playing around and practicing and of course from my perspective as a circle maker and from other circle makers perspectives you know they've completely got it the wrong way around because we as circle makers kind of say to ourselves well who's making that little swirl one who would make that you know who would bother to do that you know whereas we know that the more complicated ones are more 
evidence of an intelligence and and let's face it it's going to be most likely the intelligence involved is human okay so. let's, let's get into some of the minutiae then because obviously you know i've i've been interested in this field for in this field for for you know many years right since i saw colin andrews probably in their early to mid 90s in seattle at some symposium or whatever mm -hmm. um and you know it's it is it is pretty hard to believe that these 300 so like foot long circles made in the you know the few hours of darkness and and they've also got all this <clears throat> supposed scientific uh, investigation on the nodes and how these things aren't even damaged and how they're bent over and they've done samples in other fields with uh, with the crops like so how do you explain all all that stuff without just saying it's all a bunch of garbage. Well, um, seeing as you're a uh, you know you came in as a believer, I'll have to say now, yes, they're they're all made by aliens, and um, no, 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 you know, I'm not, you know. I'm, not a, I'm not a believer. I I yeah. just don't think that there's one answer explaining it all. That's all. You see, I have to live this uh, kind of like dual life where I have to gauge the people I'm speaking to, and uh, and I think you 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 do want the truth, you know. So, but I this is the kind of game I have to play, unfortunately, of kind of sounding the person out first. How offended are they going to be by learning this truth? And then you have to kind of, you know, smooth the edges off for people. And, and, and you know, I tell them honestly about the paranormal stuff. But, uh, yeah, you know, it, once you start getting into the nitty gritty and start explaining things like the nodes and the nighttime stuff and, and all the scientific data, then it starts to go down this kind of negative avenue, which uh, I, I can explore as well. Um, let's, yeah, that's let's, fine. I'm, let's I'm, do that. I'm okay with it. Yeah, yeah this let's, sounds let, fun to me. <laughs> Okay, here we go. Right. Um, so nodes. Um, the common perception of plant bending um, having caused some sort of uh, nodal damage, i.e. a node is like a knuckle. So if you've got your fingers on your uh, hand, you've got your knuckles, or your elbow, you've got the end of your elbow. And the plants are the same. They've got these uh, nodal points and they can bend at these points. So if you flatten the plant down to the ground, what it tries to do is it tries to correct itself at these node points by bending like a limb yeah. and, pointing, and pointing itself back up towards the sunlight. And that, there's, a, there's a technical term for this. It's called phototropism. And um, every plant, uh, you know, in a, in a field like wheat, barley, rape, they will all try to do this. They will all point towards the sunlight. So much so that with time-lapse cameras, you can actually observe um, the, the plants changing direction and actually moving backwards and forwards towards the light. They actually follow the light. Um, now, if you bend a plant uh, down to the ground, you, you flatten it with a, a board or your feet, uh, provided the, the stem isn't damaged and the plant is still alive, it will try to do this correction. But where the node bends, where it's the joint and it bends around, there's a certain amount of stress where there's a stretch. And where that stretching takes place, quite often the, uh, the plant will split at that joint area and it will start to seep a little bit of fluid. Um, and th that fluid will then come onto the outside of the plant will turn uh, to a dark colour, sometimes described as black by some people, and this is basically yeast. It's come from the centre of the plant, from the stalk, onto the outside, and it's like it's, it's, like it's oxidising with the air, and it changes colour. Now, this has been reported by people as being an effect of energy. 
you know, some sort of like microwave or something mic- yeah. microwaves. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting that you use that term microwave because I did, I didn't quite say microwave, but you said it. So you obviously yeah. heard, you've heard yeah. it from oh, somewhere. Yeah. I've heard that, you've heard, yeah. you've heard this, you know, and a lot of people have, and it's amazing how people will hear these things like nodal damage, microwaves, you know, and, um, uh, blown nodes and cellular changes. Blown nodes. Blown nodes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. If you're going to yeah. giggle, Darren, giggle into the mic, please. No. Oh, okay. Um, blown nodes. Yeah. Um, definitely something you go and see a doctor about uh, quick, quickly. Um, the, you've got uh, these these terminology. The, the terminology um, you're using it comes from basically one camp. And this is a, a research group called BLT, Burke, yeah, yeah. Le- Burke Levin, Good and Talbot. That's what BLT stands for. And um, anyway, the, the guy called Burke has kind of departed the project. Um, the guy called Levengood, who's uh, supposed to be the scientist, the doctor, um, he is now no longer with us. He passed away a, a few months ago, I believe, actually. Um, so he's now dead. And the only person left is Nancy Talbot. Yeah. Um, now, the problem comes that this scientific research of taking samples from the fields and sending them off in the post to this chap, uh, Mr. Levengood, was uh, that he he was claiming to be a doctor. He was claiming to be a scientist and have credentials and qualifications. It turns out they're not a doctor. And, uh, because of this, some of his papers, which have been submitted to peer-reviewed journals, um, have been rejected, which in the case of one um, one sort of uh, journal, I think it's called Physiological Plantar- Plantarium or something like that, um, they said that, you know, it's the only time they've ever had to reject an article was by Mr. Levengood, you know, this guy that claimed to be a doctor because he didn't have the credentials to to put the article there. And what he was saying in the article was was um, rebutted by many people who, who kind of saw it afterwards. So right, right. it's... And- it, it, and, so and this camp, is where these terms come from. They come from this chap. Okay, and that camp goes back to the early '90s too. Like, because when I, I think uh, you know Linda Moulton Howe had her out all the stuff out in her books too back then, right? So that's mm. coming from that same camp. Yeah. Well, I, I come back to Linda in a bit, you know, for for another sort of angle on this. But right, um, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, the same sort of camp. They they go back quite a way, okay. and um, you know they're, they're very. I suppose the the best description is very uh forceful you know with the way they put their information out there this is kind of like a scientific fact and yeah, we have yeah. a do- dr levin good as you know and it's backed up by proper science here well the thing is the the blown nodes right it's a well-known effect it's called the photo phototropism there's nothing mysterious about that at all and it's well known by plant biologists all over the world as a natural effect of plant physiology mm-hmm. so for somebody who claims to be an expert you know in in bio, plant biology mr levengood to come along and say no this is totally abnormal totally unusual you kind of end up when you find out that the guy has lied about being a doctor and kind of you know I, I know it's not nice to speak uh you know ill of the dead but unfortunately we're having to live to this day with the aftermath of bad research you know which is kind of out there as as you yourself know those terms we are still battling today to try and tell people politely that they should rethink 
all they think they know about crop circles because it's come from some camps that didn't quite tell it how it was. Right. And they're still mm. following that sort of paradigm right now even. They still to this day and it's you you, you hear the the same uh, points points put across. I mean, I could I can stop people. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying I don't want you to ask me these questions, but I can literally so I have a conversation with somebody. I can stop them and I can say, and you're about about to say microwave damage, and they go, yeah, and, I, and you you can you can yeah, complete course, people yeah. you can complete people's sentences, and it's very evident to me that um, with this subject particularly, everybody is taking on board research that's done by other people that they don't know for certain is is correct and they just run with it. And I, I urge people to do their own research, uh, to recheck these these things that are taken as facts because they're not always facts. Really, you do have to redo your research. And don't be offended if you find out about the circle makers because, you know, they're not the bad guys. You know, there, there are some there are some bad guys out there, but it's not the circle makers. Right, so. right. Okay, so let's yep. let's put that, that sort of scientific stuff aside and get to the... Mm-hmm. The actual process, because again, so you've got a team of guys, yep, uh, sneak into a field at night, you know, four or five hours uh, darkness or whatever, and you make this huge, massive, you know, three hundred and something circle, circle, mm-hmm. circle, and uh, somehow nobody sees you guys. Like, is it really that easy to to like describe that process a little bit so people understand, you know, that uh, it's doable. Okay, well, I'll, I'll drop. I'll drop. I'll, we'll we'll do like a hyper hyperspace leap here to uh, the paranormal subject, and I'll say, hey, uh, even though I make crop circles, I'm a big believer in the paranormal. Still am to this day, and I and I've had so many weird experiences in crop circles. It it just it eclipses everything else. Right, so right, if you right. if you're talking about not being seen, how's about this before we go back to the to the reality of of making crop circles? How's sure. about this for an experience? I made a crop circle whereby when we entered the field, we could see people were camped out in the far corner of the field okay. with telescopes and they were doing a sky watch. Okay. And we said this is crazy. We can see them. If they can if we can see them, yeah. then they can they can see us. Yeah. So there is no way we could get away with doing this this formation. Right. And yet, me and my friend were kind of standing there, and and I said, do you know what, though? I get this overwhelming feeling that we should do this. You know, we should get out there and, and make this. And he said, yeah, I feel that, too. And I said, well, you know what you know what the feelings are like. You know, you should go on them with this type of stuff. So we we did it. We made this crop circle in bare, you know, you could see us. We could see them. They could see us. So we did this, this circle. We just carried it on in a very, very type of attitude. Good feeling about being there, and when we completed it, we went away, asked for information for anybody who knew who those people were in the morning, yeah. and um, it turns out that uh, they they were already telling their amazing story of being in a field doing a sky watch, and right underneath their noses, and and they're even at the highest point of the field, so they're looking down. We're at the low point; they're above us, looking down into where we are. So um, they they report that they saw nothing, they they heard nothing, but in the middle of the night, a fog bank came down over that part of the field, and in the morning, the fog lifted and there was the crop circle, and yet we were there able to see them. It's almost like a one-way mirror, you know, where we can see them perfectly, but they can't see us. And there was no fog bank to you guys? No fog bank to us, but I mean... Sounds crazy. You want to hear some of the other stuff I've got to talk about a bit later on. But um, that's just maybe one example of why people don't see people when they make 
crop circles. I can I can give some rational explanations now as to why there may be um, instances where people don't see and don't hear people making crop circles. But um, okay, you know. so that yeah, that that would be good. But but as far as mm-hmm. just like the logistics of it goes, yeah, um, if if people were watching you and they were able to see you, would it take you like five or six hours to do one of these big ones? Like how, you know, would you guys like have it all, you know, all kind of planned out like a, you know, like a high tech robbery in one of those films, you know, you go in there, tick, 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 it's all done. And you're out of there. Do you, do you do it under (laughs) moonlight or do you do it in the dark? Like, do you, do you worry about how much light there is from the moon or you bring lights? No, no. I mean, any lights that you have would have to be uh, like like one LED, uh, maybe that you hold between your fingers, and you close it off between the gap in between your fingers right. to kind of to kind of shine just down on enough paper to see the design and right. a couple of me- a couple of measurements. Yeah, yeah. So we work from uh, scaled up designs. Basically, that's how it's done. Um, we make a design on a on a page, and then we have to take measurements from that write them down and then we multiply them by a factor of um, number and then that would equal either meters or feet and then when we go out there at night um, there's no real way that you can you could see accurately even in daytime you could see accurately what you're doing and whether you've got the angles correctly so everything has to be measured and the way we measure it is with measuring tape and sometimes we use a laser level i don't know if you're um, familiar with that it's like a tripod with a little laser pointer on it and it basically has a compass rose with 360 degrees Mm -hmm. and you can kind of um, point that out in in 360 degrees you know the laser will point out at night so you can see it. Yeah. And as you, as you walk along, you can keep it on your chest and you'll get straight lines or, you know, you can, it, it can be used to save a bit of time and uh, increase accuracy. But, um, the, uh, the, the basic tools are very simple. It's not, it's not really like a high tech robbery in, in many respects. <laughs> yeah. Um, what you, what you do have is a plank of wood, which is uh, affectionately referred to as the stomper board. <laughs> and that's what you you actually use to uh, lay down large areas of the crop. And it has a rope so that you can hold it. You, you you push it down with your foot, and you hold the whole thing against your foot by pulling up on the uh, the, the ropes. And you just walk forward. So it's like having a gigantic snowshoe on, but yeah, turned yeah. Si- turned sideways. You know, but uh, to sort of use a descriptive term. But um, the. Uh, the other tools are the tape measure, which is a surveyor's tape measure. So you get one of these in a Home Depot type store and uh, usually about uh, 30 meters, which is about 100 feet. Sometimes you can get the double or triple size ones, you know, quite big ones. They have a handle on the side. You can wind yeah, them in. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the reason there's a very specific all this stuff. There you Perfect. go. Don't get any ideas. And there's a big old crop um, of canola right I over don't... there. I don't, you know, I don't uh, condone crop circle fake and Darren. So none of this is going on. And if they're all made by people, though, then I'm just an artist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I see. That's the way it's going to be. Okay, no, keep see, going. Sorry. You, you, you'd be, you'd be surprised what happens to you if a police stop you and they're going to breathalyze you and they search the car. If you've got a board and a tape measure, they'll suspect you of being a crop circle maker in Wiltshire. But you probably get away with it in Canada. Yeah. But, oh, yeah uh, I hear they yeah. wouldn't have a clue. <laughs> yeah. You, you know could, what's uh, cool though? This right under the flight path. Like mm, nice morning, yeah. the pilots. And there are fields sure. right around yeah. here too. I wonder if it works with canola. Like, do you need it? Does it? 
Is there certain crops that work better than others? Like if you're going for a crazy big design, do you shoot for, say, wheat because it's easier to manage? Canola is quite hard nodes. because it's <laughs> yeah, it's a hard crop to do canola because it's so thick and um, basically it tends to snap a lot more and you've got to use a lot more force to press it down. Whereas with wheat and barley, those two are the the premier crops for doing crop circles. Ooh, um, a, there is a lot of barley around here too. Is there? Mm. Yeah. And and we tend to want to work in uh, machine planted fields, i.e., something where you had an automatic um, plowing uh, going on, then you have an automatic seeding going on, because what you tend to have then is a very even uh, effect, a very uh, a very plain canvas. Whereas if you get um, organic farms or where they haven't got high-tech equipment, you may get clumping. And this clumping of um, more density, less density, uh, will show up as kind of blemishes um, in the in the final effect of the crop circle. So what you want is a really blank canvas, something that's machined, you know, blank. And the tram lines are obviously going to go through the design, but your eye accommodates for that. So best to look for a, 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 fl- a flat field. It's not easy to work on slopes because uh, you're working uphill, for one bit, which is very hard. Whoops. That's my uh, dog howling there. Let me give her a treat and she'll shut up. Sure. Yeah. Here you go. She can hear me talking to you and she starts howling because she's like, who are you talking? Who are you talking to? <laughs> Sorry. Um, right. The, uh, yeah, so it's, don't work on hills. That makes it hard. Don't work on curved fields because um, your measurements on one side to the other will start to get a bit skew if, you know, as, you, as you've got a dip, your measurements will go off. Um, you don't work in high winds because the tape measure tends to get blown bowed. It gets bowed out in the middle. Um, and so you want to work on, uh, you know, nice nights when it's low wind, uh, not too cold. Um, it gets very wet. So you need to sort of think about maybe having some waterproof leggings because the condensation comes down in the night and settles on the plants. And then you're, you're going to get very, very wet. So it's uh, it, it's quite an athletic uh, thing. You need to have a lot of um, stamina. Um, you will get very knackered. People are surprised when we, we've taken them out in the past just how much work is involved. But, I mean, starting at 10 o'clock at night when it's getting dark, um, uh, you, you're prepared on the edge of the field by about quarter to 10. You know, you actually enter the field by 10. People can't see you. And you leave just before it gets light. Or if it's a uh, high condensation night, it, it forms fog in the morning and you can work a little bit into the morning. Yeah, uh, people, yeah. people can't see you in the field, so you can maybe get an extra hour out of it if you're lucky. Right. Um, yeah, so, I mean, you know, we're working to like four or five in the morning. Have you had to leave some unfinished before? Yeah, I mean, you know, they don't always get finished in one night. Uh, quite a lot of the time, um, people will go back and finish extra bits. And uh, sometimes these things aren't discovered until they're finished. That's but then, of course, too, yeah. yeah, I mean, the t- if you put a crop circle in a very well-known area, there's no way that it's not going to be discovered. So if people will realize this is night one, then night two, something else has been added, night three, something else has been added. But what they don't realize is that some of these circles that appear in less popular places that aren't near roads or haven't got hills nearby they're not discovered until usually the circle makers kind of go <coughs> circle there's a crop circle over there did i say that no <coughs> i never said that did i and then people kind of go oh there's a crop circle i've just discovered it you know and then they think it's done in one night but of course some of the best designs have been done over more than one night and this is often overlooked so yeah oh okay there you go yeah yeah do you have any that you're particularly proud of 
Yeah, I mean, I did one which, uh, when I was arrested, um, I, I kind of ad- admitted to the one I was arrested for because I couldn't really get out of it. But um, I, I, I said, take this other one into consideration that I did. And it was known as the basket weave um, near my home in uh, near Devizes, a place called Bishop's Cannings. So it was a th- 2000 and it was a basket weave. You can, people said that it was impossible for people to make this you know because the basket was going under and over and, and the yeah, yeah. weave and and it would you know it was actually a very simplistic uh, method to create that basket weave and it's since been replicated by myself a couple of times to prove a point and also other circle makers have kind of incorporated it into their designs as kind of a floor lay pattern to to kind of make things look a bit more exciting so yeah, that was that basket weave was one of my proud achievements and it was an accident as well because most of the time we would flatten you know just in one direction yeah. and and you might you might maybe flatten two directions that would be quite adventurous and then i kind of said to the person i was with on this night um he actually did the design but he didn't have any idea for how to flatten it you know, he j- it was just supposed to be flat it and i, I just you know that's kind of just boring and i'm thinking you know why don't we try something different because you know everyone flattens them they're always flat um, why don't we try putting some patterns in? He said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, let's go up a bit, across, miss a bit, down, miss a bit, go up, miss a bit, go down. And then whatever's left, you flatten right and then left and then right and then left and do it like that, you know, with the bits of the left over. And he said, I don't get you. And I said, well, it'll kind of like look like a, a weave, you know? And he was, mm, I don't know. It sounds like a bit of a silly thing. I don't know if I want to risk it, you know, just, just, just flatten it. I said, no, it'll be great. It'll be great. So he was kind of reluctant to do it. But when he did it, um, at the end, he kind of said, I'm looking at this now. This was nighttime, obviously. Your eyes aren't really very well adjusted. He, he looked at it and he said, this is a fucking mess, you know. <laughs> and he, and he, conv- he convinced me. He, he said, you know, you've wrecked this now. Oh, you know, you've, to- you've totally wrecked this. And I sort of went, oh, I'm really sorry. You know, it was, you know, it was just an idea, you know. Never know. And it's like, so we all went away thinking, well, you know, there's a sort of like half-baked circle, you know, now. And in the morning, people were enthusing. They'd flown over it. They were going nuts about it. And the farmer actually cut it out the same morning that it appeared. But there were luckily a couple of photos taken of it, which um, showed it in its glory. And then kind of, you know, my friend reluctantly said, he said, oh, well, you know, that wasn't a bad one after all, was it? And I said, yeah, but you told me not to do that. And I told you it was going to be good. You know, so uh, we kind of have this thing of, uh, he says that it was a great circle because it was his design. And I said, well, it was a great circle because of the lay, you know, so we were all trying to take credit for the little, the the, the piece that we put into it. But... (laughs) That's one of the things that that's hard makes it hard to believe is when you see the the uh, 
the different swirling patterns and all that, it really does seem like uh, it would be hard to do manually, you know. So is this the one yeah. just, I'm looking at the one that has like the swirl coming off the bottom and the top, the semicircle on top and bottom? Oh, that that basket weave one, that was done on the East Field. Yeah, that, that uh, was one of mine. I did it as a memorial circle for my mum because she passed away. So I, I did that one. Um, even though I, I had been arrested and said I wasn't going to make any more crop circles, I said, well, you know, I'm going to do that. You know, I'm going to do one as a thing to say, you know, goodbye to my mum. Right. And, uh, you know, if anyone wants to arrest me and take me to court for that one, then, you know, arresting the man for doing a memorial for his mum, that's great, you know. So, yeah, they didn't. <laughs> Is that, like, how often are people getting pinched on that? And they, Well, yeah, yeah, let's stick with that for now. Mm. Uh, people, uh, wait, when you say pinched, you mean, like, arrested? Yeah, like is there well, like is there like a a crop circle task force or like you know is there like people who are mm. after circle makers constantly? Well, I I don't know whether there's so much a task force because um, you know a lot of hype is given to crop circles from an artistic point of view and from the alien point of view, and you know I'm always amazed and excited to see the the media and how these things go around the planet how they become part of movies and and things like that so you know people think like crop circles wow that's a big thing but i mean you know when you when you break it down in terms of how much crop is actually damaged it's not a lot um so how much money is actually lost not a lot and in terms of you know what the police can actually put manpower behind to 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 kind of solve crimes they they do a lot of you know waving their fingers saying we're watching the fields we'll get you don't dare you do this and and of course we as circle makers know we can do it anywhere we want anytime we want and there isn't much the police can do about it unless of course you're stupid like me and you actually engage the researchers and, and admit to having done one in which case then you get a knock on the door and 16 police officers searching your house um you know so don't admit to it folks it, unless of course you like a hard time yeah yeah so so where do we go from here darren uh, we can <laughs> 16 cops that seems crazy yeah <laughs> yeah up at your place yeah, I'm lucky they didn't. I'm lucky we were in the states. They'd probably come in with our guns drawn, you know. And uh, yeah, yeah, was, they came to the door, locked the door, and they said, um, "You're Matthew Williams." And so yes, and I could see there's a few police officers there, you know, like three or four. And he says, um, "We had information to say that uh, you were involved in making a crop circle." Uh, and he showed me a design. He said, "Can you can you tell us about this?" And I thought to myself, "Well, what do I say here? Do I say no? I didn't do this, and I could deny it, and they would be very hard to prove that it was me." Um, but if I do that, then everyone's going to say, "See, see, we told you so. We told you so." He doesn't make crop circles. He's an arsehole. Um, so therefore, I, I, I kind of thought about it for a second. I just said, "Do you know what? These, you know, these these blighters who have reported me to the police, um, they need to they need to understand what's going on here. So whatever, you know, you want to arrest me for it? Yeah, I did it. Fair enough." And then around the corner with these police officers, they said, well, we'll have to come in. Uh, we'll have to place you under arrest. So but we'll come in and have a look uh, around. And then it's like then 16 police officers come into the house. And I'm like, where the hell have all these people come from? And some of them were were um, uh, sort of officers involved in, like on high-level investigations. And they said they had to draft extra officers in to come and do this, search my place. And some of them said, you know, we've got much better things to be doing than messing around with this nonsense, you know. And they, they, were, they were very uh, dismissive of the whole process. They were like, yeah, yeah. They, they, they saw like I had a folder like full of some copied movies. 
um, you know, like sort of DVXs downloaded off the internet. And one of them looked at me, he goes, pirates? And I went, yeah. And he goes, I didn't see that. <laughs> it's like, you know, so, you know, you could tell they were just like, yeah, let's just get this over with, you know, so he gets it over with, this is rubbish, you know, and uh, similar sort of uh, attitude to the magistrate. Uh, he thought it was kind of funny as well. And uh, yeah, he didn't, um, he didn't want to find me very much. So uh, the farmer who was trying to get 400 pounds worth of money in damages for his crop, I brought in figures of how much the crop actually was cost, you know, which were properly analyzed figures that had come from a university on crop, how much it costs per, you know, square you know, foot. And we worked it out. His, he said 400. My figures said 20. And the judge said, can you quantify why it's 400 pounds worth of damage to the, to the farmer? And he said, no. He said, well, I award you nothing. (laughs) So that went down really well. Um, so I walked out of the court with a small fine and, uh, you know, but yeah, it's, uh, there's not really a task force, but because I think they wanted to be seen to be, um, making a a statement when they had somebody in their grasp and they really knew they had the whole thing kind of there to deal with then they they went to town on it but really only police officers patrolling around Wiltshire if they happened to stop somebody and they saw boards in the car they have been known to kind of um, take people's cameras out and want to look at their photos and um, they take their phone and they'll want to read through your text messages to see if there's anything relating to talking about going out to make circles so yeah you know they they are kind of looking for circle makers but you know they don't really find find them very often they they find a lot of tourists who get blamed for things but uh, yeah and the penalty doesn't seem all that harsh anyway. So you kind of yeah. got into this on the ground floor from a UFO uh, investigator sort of an angle. And then, you know, here you were almost 10 years later still making crop circles. So what was what, what took you from being there just to kind of find the truth to, to become an active member? Well, we had strange experiences whilst making the crop circles. And, and as we... Um, experienced very early on the even the small kind of messy things that we were doing to see how bad we could make them were being perceived by people as being wonderful and some people were saying they'd had healing effects in them and that they were having um ufo sightings and things like this happened to them life-changing life-altering experiences through meditations or feelings they got by being there um so you kind of say to yourself well you know people are people are getting nice things from this let's carry this on. That's good. But as we were carrying it on, then we would have having strange experiences too. We were seeing strange lights and, and we were having coincidences to do with the designs that we were doing. Yeah. Can you Uh, talk about some of those? Yeah, sure. I mean, um, you know, further down the line, some of the, the, the best experiences are where I've gone out and done a design. Um, I, 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 to my knowledge, it's just come out of my head. I'm thinking this is my idea. And, you know, you lay it out on paper, then you go and make it in the fields. And then on the same night, somewhere in Yorkshire, somebody was doing the same design. But we didn't even know who this team was because we've never met any teams from Yorkshire. And they were out there doing the same thing on the same night. So we're like, how does that happen? And then there are other teams have reported this as well, whereby some even say that they have not finished the design. They've left the field unable to complete all of the design, but when they go back in the morning, bits that were on their paper are there. They've been finished. Things have been finished. And uh, so that's kind of weird. You know, I mean, that I, I don't actually talk about that one much, but it, it's been mentioned on the um, the show a few times. But uh, 
Uh, when I do these kind of interviews, I always seem to forget that one. So I've, I've got that one in this time. Yeah, that's um, a pretty crazy one, really. I mean, you can't yeah. just say that some other team came to finish it either. Like, how did that actually happen? Yeah, because the, if, if it was the other team would have to know your design. They'd have yeah, to know yeah. what you were going to do. And generally, teams don't reveal pretty much what they're going to do. Um, they're, they're, sometimes, you know, people will say, you know, this is one, expect to see that later on in the year. And, you know, so the teams will know. But it, those are not the ones that get the copies. You know, they're they're not the ones that end up as, my God, I'm scratching that happen. Yeah, because I mean, some, some of them would be, you'd think it'd be concentric design and it'd be easy to tell what what's missing in it. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a great one whereby um, some fairly new uh, to the subject circle makers, um, they'd kind of seen my show and, um, you know, listened to the arguments about it being humans, and they decided to go out and make some. And they were kind of, uh, you know, nice nice designs, but a little bit more basic, you know, like you'd get, an, you know, when somebody's new to art, you know, catch them three or four years down the line, their art's going to be a little bit better. But, you know, these were a little bit basic but they were out there doing some uh, interesting stuff um, but they decided to try a new technique which was to create a spiral now some people say well that's a bit complicated isn't it how would you how would you create a spiral that's accurate well one easy way to do it is to get some uh, rope or some some twine and to tie it around something like a bicycle wheel okay and you just wrap it round and around and around the bicycle wheel and then you put the bicycle wheel um, horizontal, so flat, um, in the uh, in the crop circle on top of something like a tripod, and then basically somebody holds that there whilst somebody walks around. And as they walk around, they actually release the 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 the, the, the rope as they go, so the spiral gets bigger. And as they come around again, they're releasing more and more all the time, and it it gently releases them to 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 walk at quite a speed and to make this spiral pattern so that's one way of doing it so they thought well we'll experiment with this spiral so they did two spirals they did one that comes out one way and then it goes into another spiral on the other side so you've got one spiral on the left one spiral on the right and they both sort of go in um so they thought great and they finished this nearby uh, avebury came out this happened to be strangely things happened to me on my birthday for some reason strange crop circle things sometimes happen on my birthday um, this was one such event because i think it was july the 13th my birthday i'll have to double check on that but on i Friday. think it, i think it was uh, <laughs> i don't know about that actually i'll look it up now in a second but um the, the, this is the strange thing that i knew that team i knew what they were going to do i knew which design they were going to do the design was actually on their vehicle they actually had it on their vehicle before they did it in the field. It was, it was. Um, they had a vinyl print of it on their vehicle. So they said, "Yeah, we're going to do that." And strangely, in a different part of Wiltshire called uh, Westbury, um, somebody went out and did pretty much exactly the same design. And the the team just said, "Well, we didn't tell anybody we were going to do this spiral, and nobody knew we were going to do it. And ha- and who was it? Nobody was admitting to it. No teams were owning up, and uh, so we we never found out who made it. But about a year later, I was driving down the road. Um, I saw a paraglider 
guy coming down into a field and I could see another paraglider looked like he would be down probably in another minute or so. So I thought, well, these guys look like they're a long way from where they started off. I'll, I'll pull up the car, see if they want to lift. Um, and being a pilot myself, you know, it's kind of a nice thing to do to kind of, you know, see if anybody wants a lift or, you know, if they had to land somewhere. So uh, I said to these guys, you know, want a lift? And they said, yeah, sure. Jumped in. They said, what do you do? And I said, well, you know, I'm computer guy, techie, into crop circles. And they went, oh, crop circles, crop circles. Yeah, you, you like those? Yep, yep, really into that. I photograph them. I do this and it. Oh, that's, am- that's amazing because you know what? We made our first one last year. I said, you made a crop circle last year? And they said, yeah. I said, well, where did you do it? And they said, well, below this hill where we take off from. And I said, really? And which one? And I said, that, that was the spiral. And they went, yeah, it was a spiral. It was like two spirals. And I said, now, do you know anybody in the crop circle world? And they went, nope. I said, so you don't bother with anybody? They went, no, no. And I said, well, okay, give me a very good reason, one good reason why you would do two spirals like that. What What's the significance to you of spirals? And they said, well, it's simple. Because when we're flying our paragliders, we spiral into the thermals and we go up in the air with the hot air. And then when we've gone through one thermal, we'll move across, try and find another thermal, but then we'll change direction. We'll spiral in the opposite direction. And we keep doing that. We keep alternating our spirals. And we stuck it in the field beneath where we jump off the hill so that everyone who does all this sort of stuff would see the spiral spiral. And, of course, it would mean something to every anyone who flies paragliders, spiraling left, spiraling right. You see, And I went, wow, I can't believe I've met you. And this has happened many times. I've met people who've made these circles, and I've just met them in the most unusual places. And it's like there's a, there's a gravity attracting us together to to meet and find out who makes these circles and i, I seem to have a knack of doing this darren, and darren, uh, darren's got yeah darren uh what do you think about that as a synchronicity that's pretty crazy what part of it that him meeting them well and yeah. that spiral thing being the one that was created on the same night from somebody else so did you tell yeah. them about that uh, well, I, I told they knew about it. They said, well, we didn't know who did the same spiral. They said, we saw that and we were amazed. But we thought, well, why would somebody else do what we were doing on the same night? Because we didn't tell anybody and we didn't understand what was going on there. And I said, yeah, you, I know who made that, but we didn't know who you were. You know, it's like so... It goes both ways, and it was like, yep, there were there was a big buzz about that, but it's one of many events that that's taken place. Um, too too many to mention in a short space of time, but I mean, I've gone out to fields whereby um, two teams have been working in the same field on the same night, very close to each other, and not even known that the other team is there in the same field, working on similar type of designs, elongated designs, um, one one tram width, you know, apart from each other. Um, then there's the, the the inspiration I had one night. Um, I was in my house and uh, I didn't have a team, so I just got this real urge, like I must go out and make a crop circle. And I thought, well, it's too it's it's too late now. I thought it's too late now to actually get um, a team together, but I felt like no, I've got to go and do it. I must do something, you know. So I got up, jumped in my car went to this field with a tripod and I used the tripod um, weighted down to act like a person who would be holding the tape. And I made a smaller design so I didn't end up pulling the tripod over so with the, the weight of my pulling on the yeah. the, the, the thing. Um, and I made this small design and it was just a six-fold petal um, design. And whilst I was there, I can remember hearing people nearby. So I was a little bit cautious, making sure that um, I didn't make too much noise that they didn't discover that I was there and uh, I I left the field you know it didn't take long to create maybe under an hour 
um, left the field and did, again, you know, sought out. Was there anybody, you know, rem- remembers being at that field? Did they experience anything weird? You know, what was the sort of basic vibe? Not saying that I'd done this circle at that point, but um, I found out that somebody I knew was enthusing about this. It was a, a, a woman who did research into this type of stuff and she had been there with a team and they'd been meditating and guess what they'd been meditating on a six-fold petal exactly like the one that i came to do and i did it probably within about three or four hundred feet of where these people were doing their meditation and how does that happen how does that happen especially because it's such a spontaneous one it's not like you planned it or anything you decided to go out there on your own and do that Exactly. Yeah. It's al- it's almost like we've got an antenna, you know, in our head that we don't know about. And it's, it picks up stuff. You know, we pick up other people's thoughts. Maybe we pick up, you know, like a the, the earth it might be transmitting things, maybe aliens or something, you know, interdimensional, whatever it is. I believe that people pick this signal up and they act upon it. And this is where I think a lot of the inspiration for certain crop circle designs come from is this, uh, this kind of telepathic field. The only thing I can't say, you know, which is, um, with any certainty is, you know, where is it coming from? Is it coming from people or is it coming from something else? And that's what I'm, what I'm fascinated to find out. And, you know, crop circle researchers and circle makers are still kind of asking the question of like, well, why do we get the inspiration to do that when it means something, when something else comes along, somebody else comes along and says, this was very significant. This was very important. We'd predicted this was going to happen this season and we've written it down. We showed people, you know, and then you've gone and done it, but the circle makers didn't know that, you know, all these types of coincidences. Yeah. So hearing you say that it kind of helps me understand a little bit because it was hard for me to reconcile uh, the difference between you guys uh, not believing that there's anything uh, except for humans making them and then going and, and perpetrating the phenomena yourselves between, you know, like just considering it, uh, you know, hoaxing or faking, right? Because, like, I I have a hard time, <clears throat> you know, the, all the hoaxes out there, it kind of just muddies the whole water, whether it's UFOs or ghosts or whatever, why people want to, like, hoax things it just drives me nuts so yeah yeah but i guess if you think that if you thought originally that it wasn't a Mm -hmm. genuine non-human phenomena then i guess in your heads you're not really faking it you're just artists well this is the thing i mean uh, i wasn't offended by the concept that it was humans doing it um I, I just went into it with an open mind and I found out that it was humans doing it. And then I just went, okay, well, if they can do it, let's see where this goes. And we took it to, to different levels. And, you know, I've become a very big, uh, I suppose the term, I eulogize about this now, you know, trying to tell people, look, you know, it's a good thing that people are making these crops. It's getting everyone to something else. You know, it's, it's connecting people with this other. And um, that's why circle makers continue to do it. You know, we, we do talk amongst ourselves and we say, you know, well, if it was, if it was done for a joke, you know, like this hoaxing thing, like, ho, ho, we can, we can do something and, and people will think it's aliens, you know, I mean, how soon is that joke going to wear out? That joke is going to wear out pretty quick. You're going to make a few circles and that's going to be it. You're not going to do it again and again and again you know, 20, 20 circles, 30 circles, you know, in a year, and then add that up to the different teams that are out there, then you're going to get your hundreds of circles. You know, why do people keep coming back to it again and again and again? Is it just because it's art and, 
you know, their their work gets seen all over the world and and loved and adored and appreciated. Yes, that is a factor. You know, there's no there's no point saying that the artists that are involved in this are not um, excited by that um, exposure that they get. Oh, it's, it's beautiful art. Too. Yeah, mean, it's 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 astounding. It really is. Yeah, and and I think you know, there's there's definitely a lot of truth in um, the point of view of it's better not to tell people that it's man-made and it's better to keep an air of mystery. There's kind of like this, uh, it's almost like a magician's code, you know, the, you know, don't show them how you do your tricks because when you show somebody how you do the tricks, they go, oh, it was that simple, was it? Oh, I'm not interested in it now. You know, and it's kind of like, so some circle makers believe that that is a good way to operate. You know, keep it secret. Don't tell people how it's done. And in in all honesty, that actually does work towards making people more interested and more curious, you know, trying to get their heads around it and not being sure whether they can believe that people could make them. So it must be something unusual and, and trying to find these little nuggets and facts of things that prove that prove 100% that people couldn't have made that one, you know, and it's kind of like, that's the stuff that keeps this um, really vibrant, you know, as a, as an art form, which you don't necessarily get in things like, um, you know, classical arts or, you know, uh, sort of, printed mediums photography you don't get people coming along to a photograph and going oh my god that photograph makes me te telepathically have strange experiences you know oh if i think about this photo for long enough a ufo is going to come you know but it's like people come to a crop circle and they meditate they spend the night they sky watch they have strange experiences they have healings some people get frightened they get scared and you know but whatever it is you know whatever experience you come for whether you get a good buzz one time and then you might get a bad buzz and then you get another good buzz whatever it is there's there's this kind of like whole thing that happens with crop circles which doesn't happen with many other art forms and i i think that's that's nice but going back to your point of you know uh, you know why why people would do that is it just art well obviously it's not just art it's it's something much bigger and then the artists themselves get pulled into this you know because it, it is something paranormal it, there is something weird going on and that's not just the, that's not just me and the artists kind of saying oh but we've got to say that you know we have to say that because then that keeps people interested right. no there are really honestly 100% guarantee you genuine weird things going on. And what I say to people is, if you think I am taking the mickey, if you think I am, you know, pulling your leg and this is some sort of like, you know, magic, magic trick to get you hyped up and all that, fair enough. I wouldn't blame anyone for believing that, you know, circle makers or hoaxers to the outsider would be the bad guys, would be the, the nasties, would whatever. But put that to one side, right, and go out and make a crop circle and do it with positive intent. And the way I do it is I, I basically look to the skies and I say, I want this crop circle to be for something good. You know, can the energies that want to manifest themselves manifest and make this a positive thing for whatever it needs to be? And thank you. And it's just like a sort of like a little oration, you know, at the beginning. And if somebody somebody new is working with us, we say, you know, it'd be really nice if this newcomer could have a weird experience. That'd be great, you know, cool. And thanks very much, universe. And then we sort of carry on and make the circle. And I formalize that into this kind of, uh, you know, way we operate because I, I do believe, you know, in, in what we're doing. Um, and the end result, the end effect is that more things seem to happen because of that. More weird experiences happen to us whilst we're making because of that. Um, so I, I say to people, you know, if you want to think that we're pulling your leg, fine. But go out and make one. Do it with the right intent. 
and do it for the universe. Do it for the benefit of the humanity. Do it for everyone. Don't just be doing it for yourself. Have that intent of kind of doing it for other people and opening up, you know, to what could possibly happen you know, looking for some influence. Sometimes we say, you know, please protect us, you know, please protect us whilst we make this circle. You know, it'd be nice to sort of make sure we're, we're looked after, like that time when the, the fog bank came down over us. You know, if that's a form of protection that stops us from getting discovered, you know, then then I ask for that. You know, so I say, you know, great universal intelligence is out there looking down on us tonight. Please give us the energy to make this circle, make it really good, make people love it, make the design work. And, um, you know, Thanks very much. And then we go make the circle. Do it like that and see what happens. Then if you have a strange experience, hey, I told you so. <laughs> now that's interesting because there is a there's the whole occultism and symbolism and the power. And I mean maybe there's a there is some some power behind the intention and the and the symbolism to go along with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we, we don't understand, you know, the the, the designs and what they could mean because i mean i'm not a, i'm not a, i i had books on this sort of silly stuff you know which, which i still consider silly you know like um uh the book club i had a paranormal book club and they they would go here have this book have this book and i'd be like oh god you know this looks like a load of crap but i i've got to i've got to buy a book to keep in with the book clubs so it's like one of the one of the ones that gets alistair crowley's book of magic or something yeah, yeah. and what what a load of bullshit I mean, you know, what a load of absolute, I mean, I was like, oh my God, what is this guy on about? You know, and he's like, he's talking about doing really stupid, twisted, weird things. And I'm thinking, are you telling me if I do this, that all sorts of stuff's going to happen? But a lot of it is based around symbols and incantations and yeah. and making it a big thing, like a big scene out of, you know, what you're doing. And I suppose to a certain extent, you know, kind of standing there, looking at the universe and saying, this is why we're doing this. We're putting the intent, the intent, yeah. but, but, but. It's important. I, I feel humbled by what we've been part of, and I and I feel that we try not to direct it for our own ends. We try to say this is for the universe. This is for people. So we're not like doing what an Alistair Crowley would do. We're not saying like you know, right? This is for me because I want to do this and I want to get money. So I'm making this crop circle because I want to get rich. You know, no, none of that. That that that's just a horrible kind of way to think about doing something like that. I would never, you know, dare do anything like that. And I've never ever dared look at the design as being kind of like, well, this is this is um a magical. Uh, sigil, you know, like I'm going to put a, a message, you know, hidden in some sort of magical code because I don't know that stuff, right, right. you know. Yeah. But but somebody else might come along and say, oh, this means this and this means that. But I don't know that, you know, because I mean, I put those books down, you know. I kind of say, oh well, I'm not interested in in that sort of stuff. But I know that there are some people who are and believe that si symbols do have power. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know. do, you, do you know who uh, was responsible for that uh, response to Carl Sagan's little message there? Um, well, there's a way to. You have to be careful the way you ask circle makers questions. So, um, what I could say is, or I'm uh, not saying I'm not asking yeah. who. I'm just asking if, <clears throat> yeah, if you that, know of that. You know. I do. Yeah. Yes. And what I would say is, um, this is the polite way of saying it is I like, I you like that. Polite. <laughs> no, I like that circle very much. Yes. Which is one way of saying, you know, I think it's probably man-made, 
yeah, um, without actually saying I know for certain it's man made. I like that circle a lot. And if you say, do you think people could make a circle like that? I'd say, yeah, I think they probably could with enough time. Yeah, yeah. But I'm not actually saying, yes, I know that's man made. And yes, I know who made it. Yeah. So when you ask me these questions, if I if I say, yeah, 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 nice circle that, yeah, then you kind of read what I'm saying. But I, you, it's it's very impolite among circle makers to say, if it if it's not your design, then you have no right to kind of out somebody else's circle by saying, I know that's man made and I know who made it. Oh, fair enough, yeah. It's 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 kind of like an etiquette. So yeah, so yeah, I, I would yeah. I would just say, Yeah, great, wonderful. I really like that design. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I get that. Mm. <laughs> Let's yeah. I wanna I wanna talk about a bit about your UFO sighting because obviously that was part of the uh you know, in a way changed something in your in your life i mean i had one when i was the same age as you i think i was 20 when i had mine mm -hmm. uh, and i was traveling in israel at the time but yeah it definitely had an impact on me because it was a it was a strange enough thing uh that you know i still don't know in the cotton fields what it was no i wasn't in the cotton fields i was i went and worked in the cotton fields after the sighting but anyway so mm -hmm. you were you were 19 at the time similar age uh, yeah 1920 yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and uh mm. do you have you gone through in your life uh, thinking back to that and th just sort of wondering what it was or did you have any idea? I mean, I think I heard you talk about climbing up that hill to a cairn. Uh, is there any sort of spiritual mm. significance, do you think, to your sighting? Or Aha, you see, listeners, he has been researching me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, I think that's yeah, why that... I hit the stop. Yeah, okay. Right, this, um, this hill, which is uh, near... The Augur Vale. That's a strange pronunciation, but it's in Wales. It's uh, Augur Vale. And, um, oh God, if I remember off the top of my head now, it's, it's Blind Gwynvi, I think it's called, the place. And uh, the the hill um, joins where I live in the Ronda Valleys. So it's uh, it's called, so I think now it's Bulch and the Rikos. This one's called the Bulch Mountain. The Bulch Mountain, yes. And it goes over into a valley which eventually heads down to Bridgend. But this is the top of the valley. Um, there's a transmitter up there. And just a little bit off to the left, further down, is where I had this sighting. And it was beneath the, this transmitter and it was sat on the side of the hill. It appeared to be in front of the hill because the hill was going up quite a steep angle behind it. Uh, but yet it was uh, it, it was in between the tree line. So the base of it was... Um, going into trees the top of it wasn't reaching the top of the hill so approximate its size and by the fact of where it was in you know in between the trees and the hill how high the hill was how much i approximate and i think you know it must have been about 300 feet high i approximated it so you know appreciable size um looked at first when i spotted it it was possibly being like something on fire because it was a triangle and it was shimmering and it was yellowy orange um yeah and i went i went back to that area i've climbed up the uh the hill and then i found out that there's a little burial mound up there um called a cairn mound now these cairn mounds are often stuck so i'm told on sites where people have had uh, strange experiences um that are known for their doorways to the paranormal realms that uh, people will see ghosts and things like this um and i didn't know that when i was actually driving my car that that place was it was directly over this uh this cairn mound um but it's just interesting that uh, a lot of people that i've spoken to now say oh that 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 fits in very well with uh, what we know about special sites you know stone circles are stuck on similar uh vortex energy points things like that yeah. so um 
yeah, it's uh, that was one of many experiences I, I ended up having. I mean, it seemed like there was a turning point in my life where uh, either either I became more sane um, or I became more crazy. You know, um, I, I started seeing strange things, and I and I was kind of excited by it. You know, I went with it. You know, I, I honestly believe as well that if somebody wants to kind of shut down to these things or dismiss them and and turn away from them, that maybe you can shut yourself down. But I was kind of excited by all the things that were presenting themselves to me: ghosts. Uh, clairvoyance, um, contacting the dead, going to spiritualist churches, um, very unannounced as well, going to spiritualist churches and having very accurate messages given to me time after time, randomly, you know, going to these places, you know, driving along the road and I'd go, oh, look, there's a spiritualist church. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd go in there and sit down and they would just give me bang, bang, bang straight away, you know, and it's like, wow, how the hell did they know, you know, and uh, stuff about me. It was just crazy. So, I mean, lots of things. Um, I even tell this uh, strange story about seeing the moon flying through the sky and going down behind a hill, you know, which is really weird one night, you know, and uh, and then I was looking for the, where is it? Where's the moon? Because it was out and then it moved through the sky and went down behind a hill. And I was like, oh my God, what's going on? I'm like, am I tripping? Am I, I'm, is there some, I haven't taken anything by mistake or I got something, you know, and I'm like, and I feel normal. I'm, you know, I'm not, no strange effects. I haven't, had any alcohol i haven't taken any drugs but i'm just thinking to myself you know what what the hell in your system can can make you see silly things like this you know yeah. and so i'm so I keep driving down the road and then the moon is back there again and it's like so I, I have to take my eyes away to look at a junction and then it's gone again you know and it's like I'm, I'm just thinking oh god something's playing with me you know but something something on a it's either that i'm going crazy or something's playing with me, you know, something playful, something uh, mischievous, you know, is kind of wants me to, to see these strange things and, and get involved, you know, and, and that's why I keep it. Yeah. That's why I kind of keep an open mind with the crop circles about where this stuff is coming from, because, you know, I think that, that people feel cheated when they find out that it's, it's people are doing it, but really it's not about that. It's about seeing the bigger picture, you know, seeing that really, it's not just people that are kind of um, being misled over where the crop circles actually come from, but so are the circle makers because they like to feel like they've got their hands on the steering wheel and they often find out that they, they really are not in, in control of it. They're, they're pawns in this, um, much like the people who experience the subject, they're, they're pawns too. You know, We're all pawns and actually the puppeteer um, that, that's playing with us all you know, and uh, and it making these experiences happen, uh, causing the coincidences. You know that that they, that's really what this subject is about. And it's up to people which side of the fence they happen to be on. You know, if they wish to be an observer, believing it's aliens, fine. You know, if they want to be a circle maker, actually interfacing with that on a different level, fine. You know, and if people want to say people can't make these things, do you know what? That makes me happy. If you know, but if they want to find out the truth. Then there's also, if you happen to really dig down, you know, you'll find there are circle makers like me out there prepared to tell you a little bit more about it if you want to know. But um, I'm kind of glad in a way that really I think the world, a lot of the world kind of wants to believe that people can't make this stuff because, you know, that kind of does work, you know. So, yeah. What about uh, your interest in UFOs? Is that max and, and or uh, wax and waned over the years? Where's, where's it at right now? Well, my belief in, in UFOs, uh, I've seen balls of light whilst making crop circles like plasma balls. I uh, got chased out of a field one night. So, I mean, you know, there's a UFO for you. If you, <laughs> if you, um, yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, trying to relate an experience um, about that event to some to a Japanese TV crew that came to the area. Um, <laughs> we were trying to relate this experience to them. And whilst we were um, uh, doing this, somebody came along who had a laser pointer and it was becoming twilight. And we were talking about this. Um, we were talking about an event. Sorry, we were talking about an event where there was a plasma ball that went through the valley and it had been chased by a helicopter. And uh, we were relaying that experience to this Japanese TV crew and uh, they, they wanted to do a reenactment. Um, so we were reenacting the, uh, the the final part of this ball of light You know, we saw. It disappeared off into the distance and it went up into a uh, mothership, which I can only describe as a mothership. It must have been about a mile wide. It was very gray, dull gray, very dark. It wasn't illuminated, but the little plasma ball that went underneath it and shot up into the underneath of it. Um, and then this mothership just went whoosh straight up, you know, at, at high speed. And myself and my friend had, had chased this ball of light up the hill and we could see it going off into the distance. Um, there were multiple witnesses that night to that ball of light because there were many sky watchers in the area uh-huh. and they they saw the military helicopter interfacing with this thing. They could see that, that this little ball of light was almost like playing with a military helicopter and then it shot off, went through the fields, people saw it go and then up into this saucer, it went off. So we were we were relaying this experience to the Japanese TV crew. They were they were doing the reenactment, and uh, this laser guy comes with his laser pointer, and we say, "Oh, laser pointer, great! You know, not many green laser pointers out there at this time. You know, they're very popular now, but this was an early one, cost him a couple of thousand dollars at the time." And we said, "Hey, can you shine that at the cloud?" And he went, "Yeah, yeah, sure, I could." And we said, "Yeah, great, shine it up at that cloud then." So he shone it at the cloud. All of a sudden, the cloud goes. Boosh, like a like a lightning storm out of the cloud, and three balls of light come out of the cloud. No way. Uh, yeah, and one goes off in a spiral, and one zigzags, and one goes off in a straight line. And we're all going, oh my god, my god, look, look! And we're, we're shouting and screaming. We go, film, film it, film it, so we could see the camera guys kind of getting their cameras and sort of you know doing something. And then the Japanese producer, we said, did they film it? Did they film that? And he said, so he, Japanese to the to the camera guys, and uh, they come back, and he goes, "Oh no!" And he's like, got his hands on his head. He's like, "No, no, no!" I said, "What? What? Didn't they film it?" He went, "No, they were filming our faces. They thought that we were doing the reaction of what it was like to see that ball of light going to the saucer on the night. So they're filming <laughs> our faces, and of course, you know, off ninety degrees to the right is the real bloody thing, you know, and they missed it. So." <laughs> It's like, yeah, there's there's experiences like that. There was also a stealth helicopter there that night, just after that event. A stealth helicopter came up from the side of the hill. It had no noise, and when it when it popped up, it went and came in front of us. And we were like, but helicopters have to make noise; they can't be silent. And that was a silent helicopter. And it's like, so we had all these events happen that one night, and you know. I made a friend that night. I made a friend who is a friend to this day still. Um, the guy with the laser pointer is Dr. Simeon Hine. He, he, um, he is a crop circle researcher. He then came out to watch us making circles, and he's he's then tested the fields and found out that there was more electrostatic charge in a crop circle we made, more charge in that one that he actually watched us make than he'd tested in all the other crop circles he'd been doing over the years. And it was a fresh one. And he said, there's more charge in your circle than any of the others. So he said, well, obviously, you know, we can't use this as a, a method to detect whether crop circles are real or not anymore, because we used to think the more charge there was, the more right. real it 
more real it was. Yeah. So you kind of see that as circle makers, we're trying to help these researchers to kind of, you know, come to the understandings that, you know, people make these things. And yes, there are strange effects in them. Sometimes, you know, the nodal bends, of course, that is a natural effect. Maybe there are some other effects that might uh, have you know, genuine scientific significance. Maybe there are cell changes, but I unfortunately think that um, you have to take some of that with a pinch of salt because of, um, you know, the the zealous behavior of the researchers in order to prove and win win people over to this, you know, aliens make them, humans can't make them. There's a kind of med- meddling with the samples, meddling with the truth, and also, um, you know, misreporting misreporting stuff um you know like linda bolton howe was there the day that that guy was testing the field she was there and we invited her along to watch the circle being made and she saw that there was more electrostatic charge in the circle we had just made um than any other design the, the research was going mad but she never reported that on her show huh. in fact she the only thing she said she saw some people trying to make a crop circle. Oh. We didn't try. We did. We made a crop circle. That That is a, an absolute fact. We made a crop circle, Linda. You know, you watched us make it. It was a crop circle. Not trying to make one. But what she said next amazed me. Because instead of saying, and I saw some strange effects registering on some equipment, which is going to make me rethink where I'm coming from, she said, hey, yeah, they were trying to make a crop circle, and I just think they work for the CIA. <laughs> And she's never said any more about that formation and seeing the effect than that. So I, I do bring this up on occasion, you know, that that Linda, you know, on more than one occasion doesn't quite tell it how it is. Um, I happen to be, unfortunately, and, and don't take this the wrong way, people who are listening, that you think I get up to this stuff all the time. I don't. But the Japanese TV crew said to me that they wanted to see whether or not their camera their camera guys were filming would be able to tell the difference between a UFO and something we made, you know? So would they be able to like train their cameras on it and go, look, that's just lights, you know, that sort of thing. So we, we, we got some helium and some balloons. We hired some helium, a helium bottle oh, sent up, sent up this, this strobe lights, a multiple set of strobe lights and maybe about three or four sandwiched together and to make the strobe lights um they were basically alarms you know like an alarm you have in a house it goes ping 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 about that sort of speed you know they're just to let people know that the alarm is triggered or activated in some way well we had a load of these strobe lights but what happens is if you if you double the voltage from nine volts to 18 volts they now go ping 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 like that and we had multiples of them so we had a few of them so they're all pinging off at different times and this this inside big white uh, set of balloons, which were all tied together, and then in the middle of that was this strobe, and we set it off um, initially on a piece of um, on a piece of uh, nylon fishing wire, and we let it we let it go near one of these fields where there was a crop circle, and then we reeled it back in, and then we let it go, and the Japanese crew was nearby with their uh, cameras, and they were filming, and they were just like, whoa, this is amazing. Now, unfortunately, they did tell us that they were going to use that in the program to to show that we had made the the UFO. Um, it didn't quite get out onto Japanese television like that because it went out onto Japanese television as this is a real UFO. No. We, we don't know how that got there and we're really amazed by it. Now, that ran for about 
two to three years of the show revisiting the story and talking about it again, you know, and kind of bringing it up. And I have to say, I am, I'm very, very glad that a, a, a scientist from Japan actually did research on this and he put it together and he said, look, I've analyzed it. And, and I think you maybe have like six objects all closely together with a light source in the middle. And I think they could be balloons and maybe these are strobe or, and, you know, and look at the way it rotates. That could be the wind rotating the, the balloons around. And, and, and he, he totally got it, you know, but it took a couple of years before that somebody actually worked out what that was. And hats off to that that scientist because you know what a great researcher but you know we we knew we made that unfortunately the night that went out linda bolton Howe was sitting on a hill nearby she saw it and she wrote it up in her book as the best ufo sighting she's ever had in her life that the one she's still talking about no maybe i don't think so no i don't think so it might be, I don't know. Yeah. But she, 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 and I, and I, and, you know, as a researcher from researchers, researcher, I contacted and I said, look, you know, Linda, and she, of course, I didn't get that far because I said, hello, Linda, this is Matthew Williams. I just wanted to talk to you. And he's like, don't you ever ring me again, you know, you bastard, Peter clunk. And it's like, <laughs> so I'm like, oh, okay. So I sent her an email. And I never got any response, but I explained in the email, look, you know, I just thought I'd better tell you that that thing you said was the best sighting. Actually, we made it, and I've got video footage of us making it and releasing it. And it, it the, our footage exactly matches what that is, you know, and, and I can even get the, the Japanese crew to, to speak to you, if you wish, just to help you understand. Because, I mean, you know, it's like we all like to kind of have some closure on these things. And, you know, so I just thought you might want to know that, you know, and... uh no response. And when I've met her um, in Las Vegas, I, I did a speech at a UFO conference. Um, she she interviewed every single person at that conference who was a lecturer, speaker, except me. Just <laughs> by, bypassed me. And, um, you know, there was even an instance where I, I, I caught up with her in, in the local area. And I, and I thought, well, let, let's see if I can just have a chat with her. I said, Hello, Linda. And she goes, keep away from me. And then started hitting me with an umbrella, which was kind of fun. She was, she was whacking me on the left or the right. And I, and, and I was just like this, this woman, you know? So unfortunately I, I, you know, I, I liked strange harvest. I liked the cattle mutilation stuff and I did give her a lot of time, but unfortunately my brain is kind of saying to me, Oh my do what do you th- actually think about this woman now? I, I've got, I'm rather, um, torn in my opinions of uh, Linda because you know she's not able to kind of interface with the circle makers so she's she's often a different spin yeah yeah no kidding so hey um, I don't want to keep you too much longer here but um, I do want to ask you just about ufology in general and kind of like the disclosure movement um, mm. not necessarily movement but like what's your take on the whole subject of ufology lately and like do you think anything's gonna you think it's only a matter of time before it becomes kind of recognized as a phenomena that's worth further further study, or where do you think that it's at? Well, I mean, it's if I look at the crop circles for me, it's it's a good parallel to kind of understand uh, how the subject matters of the paranormal work, um, how people get the wrong end of the stick. Um, how you have to, you always have to bear in mind both arguments and you never have the answers. You know, you've got 
the evil government, you know, and and they've got the craft and they're in Area 51 and you've got that on one side and then you've got like, well, no, it's probably just, you know, plasma and, and maybe misidentifications on the other side and maybe the government are as much in the dark to this as we are. And they kind of put it all together and you go, well, no, because they're in the, the witnesses who come forward and say, well, we knew about this. And then you go, well, yeah, but there's witnesses to crop circles having formed in five minutes and we made that and we knew it took all night to make it and there's still somebody says that it formed in front of them in broad daylight wow you know and it's kind of like you you know you you're um there's a there's a there's a rude word but it's like head and then funk head funk yeah so so if you transpose the rude word the head funk it's a bit of a head funk when you get you you kind of see this subject from my perspective you kind of know that people make things up you know, you know that there's a lot of disinformation going on from the believers as much as the government. Yeah, and yeah. You, you kind of say, well, maybe there's room on both sides for all these arguments to kind of be true. You know, I, I'd like to think there's stuff at Area 51. I've researched government documents. I've been instrumental in uh, proving that the, the British government on one occasion was lying to the uh, British public. And we had questions asked in the Houses of Parliament. Uh, the government lied. We then said, we can prove you've just lied. And they went, oh, OK. Uh, you know, and it's like, so they, they you know, th- this kind of stuff. Um, I've researched in the public records office uh, many years and... They, there are documents there which show that our government was investigating this on a much higher level than they like to talk about. And strangely enough, um, I used to, uh, well, not clash swords, but, you know, sort of, uh, you know, I used to poke fun a little bit at uh, Nick Pope saying, come on, Nick, you know, you say you were the head man in the Ministry of Defence, but these documents show us quite clearly that there's a structure that's been going on for a long time to investigate this stuff at a much higher level and to disinform the public, you know, to play it down. And you are just the latest kind of person whose, whose job is to play it down, you know, and, uh, and and what do you say to that? And he said, no, no, no. And I said, well, what about these other departments then? You must, you must ask people who know about strange things, you know, like uh, whether or not it's a missile they saw, whether it's a plane. You're not trained in this stuff. You must be asking specialists, you know, scientists. You must be, who do you do you interface with them? You say, no, no, it's just me. I, I kind of take care of all of it, which he had to say. Well, guess what? On Circle Makers TV, the TV uh, little show I do on the internet, um, if you look for the Nick Pope episode, he admits, after leaving the MOD, for the very first time he admits, on my show, (laughs) he says, Matt, you were actually right. There were departments above me. I knew about them. You know the names because you've asked me and I denied it. And you were right. You got the names right. He said, I was in those offices every day. He said, I used to work with the people that would investigate this stuff. And yes, I would write to the members of the public, but I was in the loop. I was in the loop. I wasn't just a letter writer playing it down. You know, I was there finding out what was going on as well. He said, and yeah, there was a lot more going on. There was these departments and they still do it now. And I'm like, thank you very much, Nick. That's very kind of you to admit, uh, to say that, you know, and, and admit, you know, after all these years, it's kind of like we come coming full circle and kind of, you know, it's the, the, the truth is, I mean, it's really because Circle Makers TV is crop circle makers. And because I am a circle maker, that story has not made it out big time into the UFO community and been talked about, you know, right, and, right. and because I don't think anybody wants to watch Circle Makers TV. 
Yeah, no, I mean, we're going to link to it in our show notes for sure, and I'll, I'll, I'll check it out myself. But I, I agree. I, I know there's probably a real stigma around that, and, and people don't want to know that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the greatest story they don't want to know. Yeah. 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 If you don't know, now you know. <laughs> well, see, what what you don't know doesn't hurt you. And, and a lot of people like to live in, in a fluffy cloud. And, hey, without crop circles being man-made, it's a very fluffy cloud. No, well, we appreciate all your time and in, in, in getting to the bottom water, of it and, ex- and explaining it all. You know, it's, <laughs> yeah. uh, it has been, it's been pretty enlightening. It's, it's been a good chat for sure. Well, as I tell people, you know, this we've just scraped the, the, the surface of the iceberg here. If you watch 72 hours of Circle Makers TV, you'll see why I tell people, go watch that because then I won't have to spend 72 hours explaining to you what I've been doing for the last 20 years. And uh, it's all in there. It's all in there, folks. And uh, yeah, you know, you might be offended um, at first, but I'm sure you'll get some really good information out of that that show, more so than uh, you, you can get in any other um, avenue on the internet on this subject unless of course you want to watch the believer stuff you know and then get a balance you know go watch the believers go and you know and then watch circle makers tv compare them side by side then ignore it all go make a circle then you know the truth <laughs> i want to make a circle I know, I can yeah tell, i can tell darren's got it going on in his head there oh, yeah boy. Well, good luck with that. And if you need any advice, I can give it to you as long as I'm not uh, held responsible and can maybe visit Canada sometime in the future. I will tell you whatever you need to know. Perfect. Well, the only circles I'll be making for the next four or five months will be snow circles. So, <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's that's a valid one too. You know, people, how did they get in, you know, without leaving any marks? If you can find a way out to do that, way, which yeah, I have. I need a way. I just need some funky fucking boots. Yeah, you need some stilts. Um, maybe you need to throw the snow behind you or like have a little snow flicking machine that kind of hides your, 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 tracks, your footprints. Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe. Do, yeah. I'll just do the circle spring. while you're backing out of the field. You know? I'll just wait yeah. <laughs> maybe people tunnel their way in. You know, Maybe they tunnel their way into the snow. And then, of course, there's no footprints because maybe they never went in over the top. Maybe they tunnel out and then people don't see the tunnel. I'll do some snowblower circles in my driveway. <laughs> yeah. Practice. I think I could figure it out. I think we could make a circle. That'll be the goal for next summer. Oh, to make boy, a I circle. don't know, man. You might have to yeah. convince me still. Yeah. But no, make sure it. you don't don't tell anybody, you know, and see the reactions. Watch how people react to it. Then it, it tells you an awful lot about, you know, kind of where people are coming from. You might find somebody who says, you know, that was not there. I walked my dog. Um, we, we walked past it. It was not there. I came back the other direction with my dog. And there it was. And it's like, so it must have appeared at 11 o'clock in the morning, you know, and they'll say stuff like that. And you will just be going, hey, you know, Matt Williams, he ain't such a bad guy. <laughs> See, if we let all our, our listeners know before we do it, then I think our consciences are clean. Yeah. And we'll just yeah, gauge it, the response of the average the, Calgarian. The local response. Oh, my God. I well, mind if it really, like, helped somebody spiritually or healed them. Like, after talking to you about that, it, it is kind of hard to be resentful for circle makers after. I get a sense that you're being truthful about the uh, the the intention behind it. Well, that's what Circle Makers TV and me, that's what I'm about, because I want to show people that we're not these demons that we're made made out to be by the Circle researchers. You know, there's a whole industry there of making money and it, 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 it's hinged upon this idea that people can't do it, you know, and, and once you kind of burst that bubble, then these people get very angry. So, I mean, watch out, guys, watch out, because you will get, you know, people will 
have a go at you. If you try this as an experiment and you explain, you know, you, we've do, you were doing this and then you, you say later on, yeah, that was the one we did. And you explain all that to people, you will get attacked for it. And, you know, some people will kind of lose respect for you as well, which I've had, had to deal with over the years, you know, and, and you, you say, well, you know, it's what you do. It's a, it's research, you know, this is kind of, we're researchers. Um, but be prepared for the, the wrath because, um, you know, you will, you will get some of that, but uh, do it. Do it. I say go ahead. And of course, all that wrath goes to grabmicromerica.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, thanks yes. a lot for your time, Matt. We'll link to all that in the show notes. And uh, yeah, we really want to, we really appreciate Yeah, this uh, is a blast. Yeah, it was a great this episode. This is a blast. Well, Crop my pleasure. solved for me. Oh, boy. Well, they already yeah. pretty much were. Well, they the, already pretty much were, realistically. I was already like 90% sure. Now I'm just the other 10. Yeah. Me and Grab sit on opposite sides of a small hill. Well, yeah, you know, that's, uh, let's get together on different sides of the globe in the summer and uh, I'll see if we can you know, sort of work out a design and uh, see if, without telling each other, let's see if there's any connection going on there, you know? All right, that's, sounds good. Yeah. Homework. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thanks okay, a lot, okay. Thanks a bunch and enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Nice All to right. speak to you guys. Welcome back to Grey America Show. That was our chat with Matthew Williams. Yeah, what'd you think? Yeah. You were yeah, a little apprehensive at the start, but you seem to seem to warm up or I guess. Well, it's the whole it thing easy. between uh between what was on? Between, <laughs> <laughs> between you know, like if it's a real phenomenon, then is it a hoax or is it faking it or is it just are you just making it as an artist? You know, it's a tough one, right? Like I I've I kind of don't have any time for tricksters and games and you know, like lying to people and hoaxing, right? Like, if you were so, to well, fucking put up a maybe it's picture, maybe it's people who are reporting on him that's doing the hoaxing. <clears throat> what? If it, if he's saying like if if you if you're gonna go with what he says, is that ninety nine percent of them? He didn't give a percent. at least no, but that's what he implied to me. He that's implied, what I took away from it. Ninety nine percent. No, you can't say ninety nine. I'm saying ninety nine. Ninety. I'm saying a hundred. But anyway, he implied that all of them are, he wouldn't say all of them, but he implied that he thought all of them were man-made. And I tend to agree with that, which makes me tend to believe it's just some sort of form of artistic expression that's been kind of amplified by the exposure that it's gotten from pictures and coverage and this and that. And it's just, like you said, even the, the crazy elaborate ones, he can put people to it always comes out in a couple of years who did it i don't know he seemed fairly fairly sincere to me i mean i was pretty leaning on that side of the fence as far as crop circles are concerned anyway so now i can look at it as maybe just some people who are making circles and maybe they're not the ones who are fucking with us they're no. not saying it was aliens no i don't i don't they're think just making circles they're not saying it was aliens yeah, but they're saying, most of them probably, or at least this guy seemed to insinuate, that they're saying there's some fucking phenomena going on still, some strange phenomena. If you go back and listen to those stories and the stuff he's talking about, what's responsible for that? And then what? where do you draw the line between where that stops and starts? 
And I mean, the other side of the crop circle story, I think they're pretty sincere too. And, and forget about all the science from the nineties and the Linda Moulton house stuff. There's still some pretty crazy shit going on with, with the people. And I don't think they're just bullshitting. I don't think they're bullshitting either. So I think as usual, the truth is somewhere in the middle. I think some of them are, I still believe in a genuine phenomena. What? In the Moulton house, not bullshitting. I didn't say, I said, put that aside and the rest of them. You know, put the, I said, put the science and that stuff from her aside from the 90s, right? And her sticking with her fucking paradigm no matter what answer she gets, right? The other people that are investigating it, I think that there's still, there's still a, some legitimacy to that. I think it's somewhere in the middle. I think we should talk to someone. We should what? Maybe we should have someone on now with our new knowledge. Sure. Be interesting to cross-reference. Nancy Talbot maybe is the next one from BLT. What about, She's the one that puts out all that science, or the BLT research is the one that puts out a lot of that science. Anyway, agree to disagree. This was a good, for me, this was an episode that kind of, it was the first one in a while that actually changed my belief and or affected my belief more than most of them have in a long time. You have belief? I suppose. I don't anymore. <laughs> I had a shred of belief. Hope, maybe even. You could almost call it hope. But now I know it's just people. Not all of them. Artists, all of them. Not all of them. 100%. There's still a phenomenon no, behind there's it. there's no phenomenon. Oh, yeah, and we're going to make just, the crops. It could be more subtle. Oh, yeah, right. I don't know. Yeah, you yeah. almost had me. I might have to listen to the episode again, and then I might do it. But We're going to make the crop circle, and we're going to let our listeners know, but nobody else. We'll see if we make the front page of the Calgary. Calgary Heralds. Huh. I wonder if we could sneak in the Grimerica logo somehow and not have it get back to well, us. That's what, was, that's what I was thinking, too, right? Crop, <laughs> it's a have. cipher, and if they dis- distinguish the cipher, it means Grimerica. We That's should just make. We'll get a fucking. We'll use the uh, the the scan thing. What do you call those little? You know those little things you scan with your phone. QR code. QR code. Yeah. We'll make a crop QR code. If you scan it from the WestJet flight, it goes over over top. You get the. Uh, oh, hopefully show. it goes viral. <laughs> but then fucking. They'll be on to us. Yeah, we'll have like, to pay for the like, farmer's field. Be like, like, well, what do you know? This guy. Hello, <laughs> hello, <laughs> Mister G. Rams. <laughs> is this Grim America? <laughs> yeah, is this Grim America? <laughs> the field's like six blocks from America headquarters. <laughs> oh no, I guess yeah. I suppose it is. Anyway, yeah, it was a fun one. That's for sure. I had a good time. Can't wait till the next one. Who's coming out next week is going to be... Double episode. No, that's the thing. It's Robert, the next release. Robert, oh, the next release is... Jeez, uh, we shouldn't hesitate like this. We we know that. It's uh, Richard... Really, we don't Robert <laughs> Robert Sullivan, the fourth Esquire. Esquire. <laughs> on uh, Cinema Symbolism. Yeah, that's right. Good call. So, uh, I guess we didn't really, yeah, get hit up grandamerica.ca slash moneybomb. Subscribe. Get an email address. Support your favorite show. Help us pay the bills. Keep the lights on. It's getting cold up here in Canada. Donate more than 25, get a t-shirt. Donate more than 25, get a t-shirt. Spam gram blam. Spam gram. Uh, review grandamerica.ca slash iTunes or wherever the fuck you're listening. Review the show, give us five stars, say with the shit. Give us ideas. Give us ideas. 
guests. Oh, yeah. yeah, give guests. us ideas, kind of things like along lines of the UFO quote and stuff. Maybe some uh, some shit you'd like to see us entertain in the intro. Leave us a voicemail. Leave us a voicemail. There's a lot to do, man. That's, that's so too much, much to of do. a fucking Fucking get all that list. shit done. Yeah, just get that shit done. Fucking today. <laughs> Go through the show notes. Click on every link. Do it. See you next week.